warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 399. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it take it? Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Something has crept or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountains. There are older and fallow things and orcs in the deep places of the world. And you're listening to one of them. This is Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. You shall not fast forward! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. Put a little... Yeah. Yeah. A little I put bit a, of oomph on it. A little bit of pepper. Yeah, I liked it. I wasn't ready for it, though. I, I, I couldn't match it. I know. I felt like maybe... You know, we've done this for, you know, nearly 400 episodes, Jake. I thought maybe you were picking up my vibe. I was seeing, like, if we were vibing, you know? Kind of <laughs> no, like... No, we don't, we don't quite have twin power just yet. No, not yet. We don't have the uh, Cindy Lomp or Jeff Goldblum's vibe powers yet. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie? No. you ever seen the movie Vibes? Which I believe came out in 1986. But... uh yeah, yeah. I was a little bit more energetic. You were a little bit more reserved. I'm yeah, a yeah. yeah. You're a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Goes good together, though. This is. Like, I feel sorry for people that listen to this show. Oh, totally. The the the, the banter at the beginning. It's just just an asinine conversation we're having right now. I think true fans know that. <laughs> pop that 30 second ahead button at least nine or ten times when they start an episode yeah 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 it's fucking stupid anyway we're not alone jake we've got uh we've got from Startcast uh back on a regular schedule jake they're back on a it's like it's like uh joe was he's been he's been eating prunes and and uh and he's on a regular schedule that morning that morning dump he's back on a on a weekly dump with the old start cast welcome back joe <laughs> I just compared your show. I compared your show to weekly pooping. That's what I was just going to say. What an app comparison. Like, here's another <laughs> shitty Starcast episode <laughs> that, that follows no rhyme or reason and, and <laughs> tangent it, to tangent to tangent. It's not <laughs> shitty. It's not shitty. It's just a, 
you're, it's just just a just a metaphor. Just a metaphor. <laughs> it's just you know, it's Jake. It's just another a dumb another dumb thing I said is what it is. <laughs> Let's just chalk it up to Brian's stupidity. Let's do that. <laughs> Joe, you had you, you had a birthday. Was it yesterday? It was. Oh. I turned forty-one yesterday. Forty-one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember forty-one. <laughs> the good old days. I don't remember. They all just seem to, they can all just fuck off after a certain point, right? I think like, what was it, what was it, hey Jake, if you get, what, what's your golden age? If you could have, if you could go to one age and just stay there, what would be your golden age? I think 28. Yeah, I'm going with 27. Yeah, we're right there. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, it was like 41. He's like, man. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't believe it. 41 is just amazing. I'm off the show. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, every day is great. Every day is great. And tomorrow it'll be 41 in two days. (laughs) I'd go back to 35 when I was in my best fucking shape and then kick myself and be like, no, dude, don't, don't. Don't push yourself so hard. You're going to injure yourself, and then you're going to discover craft beer, and it's going to be all downhill. Ah, it was the craft beer that did you in. <laughs> craft beer. Jesus. They're so good. Ah. <laughs> and I didn't discover them until, like, 36. <laughs> a late bloomer. I was a very late bloomer with beer, dude. When they say it's acquired taste, yeah, it took me a long time to acquire that taste. Happy, happy birthday, Joe. Thank you so much. It was a nice day. A lot, a lot of people reached out on Facebook, and that made me feel special. So that was cool. I had lunch with my mom. That was that was also special. So <laughs> yeah. Did you ask her about the day when you popped out of her vagina? Not specifically. Uh, mom, could you regale <laughs> me of the? Up. Could you regale <laughs> me of the stories where I slid out of your vaginal wall? <laughs> Not specifically, huh? So you just beat around the bush. <laughs> There's a pun in there. Uh, there's <laughs> definitely a pun in there. <laughs> Mom, it still haunts me to this day. Every time I see spider webs, I get freaked out a little bit, and I just don't know why. <laughs> Don King pops up on this. to be born with, like, full consciousness, and you remember every second of your birth. It would be. Oh, my God. It would be. That would be insane. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think they should play like uh, Alan Parsons Project. What's that? Is that that the Bulls theme song when they when when a kid is born? (laughs) (laughs) Do they do the light thing too? Yeah, have the lights flicker. You could have one of the nurses do that. (laughs) (laughs) And the starting lineup for your mom's vagina. (laughs) What's the what's what are you naming the kid? Joe. Joe Stark! And you pop out, slide out. <laughs> that is the dumbest. Jake, what is going on? I was just thinking that the Octomom funny. got to have, uh, push out, what, a whole basketball team nearly in a half? <laughs> oh, she yeah, uh, probably ran out of song. Oh, yeah, they did. They're like, hey, we gotta loop it. <laughs> loop it. Play it, play it from the beginning. <laughs> We got another one coming out here. Anyway. Yeah, they went through a whole starting lineup and half of the bench. <laughs> uh, Joe, I also want to thank you for the uh, 
for you know, you know the first five minutes of this episode putting up with our shit. <laughs> <laughs> we are brothers in shit. <laughs> no, I want, I want to thank you for the uh, for the video that you had the the you know the army uh, make for me. I really appreciated that. You have no idea. I teared up quite a few times watching it. Jake, forty six minutes of, uh, of of video. Forty six minutes. Yeah, that's that's fucking awesome. Was it like? A lot of people, I assume, joined in, huh? No, it was just one guy, 46 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but he did impressions of all the other yeah. people. They just wrote the messages in. <laughs> Couldn't get this one motherfucker to shut up. <laughs> Some talent. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. I cried multiple times, Jake, because I was like, when is it going to fucking end? Yeah, that part made sense now when you said it was one guy. <laughs> No, but thank you. Jake, episode 399. I thought to myself, I was like, how can we, how can we exit the 300s with a bang? And so, of course, I reached out to Neil. He couldn't make it. So, uh, we've got Joe. Uh, Joe, I'm kidding. You were my first choice. You were my first choice. That's a joke. I didn't reach out to Neil on this one. You were my first choice. I was like, well, if you have to be a runner up to somebody, Neil. Like you can't you can't ask for much better than that. No, no, I, I got to get Neil. We're gonna get Neil back on. But um, yeah, I just want everybody to know that. Not, I'm I'm feeling weird today. Uh, I think I left the windows open last night and it dropped down to like 40 degrees, and so I woke up feeling kind of kind of icky, kind of icky, Jake. And so uh, I took and then my allergies are acting up. Weird weird time for allergies with me right now. So I took allergy medicine and then I took a I took a bunch of supplements and shit. Feeling weird, feeling weird. Not gonna lie, I'm drinking. I'm hoping that's gonna help. So like I'll just mm. I'll I'll fuck <laughs> no right now listen I'll settle up with life tomorrow okay but right <laughs> right now I'm gonna be drinking it's gonna I think it's what's gonna pull me through and then tomorrow I'll deal with the consequences uh, but uh, feeling a little weird right now feeling a little weird not Roseanne weird not Roseanne weird I'm not gonna get on Twitter and like tweet <laughs> insensitive shit but uh, I am feeling a little feel a little weird. My allergies always get really bad this time of year because yeah. they start harvesting the fields and there's like all that kind of particulate that just kind of hangs out in the lower atmosphere. Yeah. It makes for really pretty sunrises and sunsets and stuff, but man, I can, I can like feel it like a, a grit in my eyes almost. It's yeah. just terrible sometimes. Yeah. I take a, I take a, uh, a, I take the Claritin D. They put dick in it. <laughs> it's a it's a decongestant it really dries you out but i can breathe great and it doesn't my allergies aren't fucked up but it's got an expectorant in it so i'm like really fucking awake right now but i don't feel fucking good so it's like yeah you don't feel great but you're fucking awake and you're gonna have to deal with it motherfucker <laughs> so that's going on oh right man now. do you crash hard after that after that Oh God! Uh, when I try to sleep, I tonight when I try to sleep, I will wake up three or four times in in the night. So uh. you crash hard, but then like you constantly wake up throughout the night. It fucks with your sleep schedule. So I take one, and I know that there's like gonna be there's gonna be uh, a price to pay because I'm gonna wake up three or four times tonight. I'll go to I'll go to bed, and then I'll fucking I'll wake up at like eleven, and then I'll wake up again at two, and then I'll wake up again at four. It'll be it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, that I know. Sounds terrible. Yeah, big problems over here in my life. Waking up three times. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fuck. 
I, we're recording tonight. I want to let everybody know that uh, I'm glad that I didn't set it up to go. But I mean, I'm I'm missing uh, I'm missing the Steel Panther concert tonight, Jake. I really wanted to go to Steel Panther. Oh yeah, are they in town? In Bloomington, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Steel Panther. The, really wanted to the go. sacrifices you make for our listeners. The sacrifices <laughs> I make for you fuckers. That sent me a 46-minute video <laughs> telling, telling me how much you care about me. You motherfuckers making me miss Steel Panther. Oh, I love Steel Panther. Anyway, missing Steel Panther. Um, oh, uh, I want everybody to know um, uh, our, our good friend Ryan Drost reached out to me. Uh, he's from the Star Joe's podcast. Had him on. On, on the podcast before he wants everybody to know the that the second issue uh issue of his comic book stealth hammer uh they're going to be starting their kickstarter on october 23rd it's going to drop at 7 p.m eastern standard time uh and he wanted everybody to know that for issue two they really stepped up their game they've got uh, chrissy zulo doing a variant cover and Chris Sotomayor is doing the, I hope I pronounced that right, probably didn't, is doing the coloring of the issue. And uh, both of these are legendary creators. One who I can't even pronounce their name correctly. Um, Sotomayor. Sotomayor, that's how it's, okay. Yeah, it's a, like, like I didn't know, for for years I didn't know if it was David Aja or David Aha. Because you just, everything. I, I still don't know. It's I think it's Aha. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. See, that's the thing with the the comic book creators. It's it's you just see a name. It's a comic. The only you, reason I know Sodomir is because I met him a few times at the cons. I called him Chris Sodomize once, and it, he looked at me. <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. This is this is before COVID, and he would not shake my hand. Asked me to leave his table <laughs> immediately. Uh Chris, could you sign it, Chris Sodomize? Thank, oh man, I'm a huge fan of Chris Sodomize, and yeah, it was fucked up. Anyway, yeah, but, uh, Stealth Hammer, issue two, uh, dropping, uh, on Kickstarter October 23rd. I'm sure that they want to come out of the gate, um, just, uh, with a, with a bunch of people fucking, uh, getting, getting the issue. So, uh, I'm sure they're gonna have it in digital, they'll have print copies, they'll have variant covers. L- uh, love Ryan, so please support Ryan from Star Joe's. Um, Jake, Joe. Yeah, I'll be on there day one, just a real quick, I thought Stealth Hammer number one was fantastic, and to hear you Agreed. say they, they've stepped up their game, oh my gosh, like I, it was already like, you could have put that shit on cruise control and let it go, but they're still pushing on the pedal, that's exciting, I, I'll be there day one on that Kickstarter. Yeah, I was I was thinking that he was going to say in the second issue they got lazy and pulled back. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, decided totally to go black and white. Yeah, we went black and white. We're using stick figures. We just thought we'd fuck around. <laughs> I thought issue one was a really, really fun ride. So I was really excited to hear that that issue two Kickstarter is going to be dropping soon. Oh yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be signing up for it. If uh, hopefully I'll be signing up for it day of. Yeah, I think if you sign up for like the day of, if you get on the ground floor, you can get it for cheaper. So don't wait around on it. If this is something that you wanna that you wanna support, and I highly recommend that you do, do it from day one. I think they've got like early bird for like at least they did last time for the first twenty four hours or something like that. You can get early bird prices and uh, and get the book uh, a little bit cheaper than you would if you waited later on in the uh, Kickstarter. Um, Joe, you had a birthday. I want to know how did you guys celebrate? Uh, and I forgot to mention this last week, October seventh, John Cougar Mellencamp's seventieth birthday. How did you all cel- celebrate the Coog's birthday? <laughs> Jake, you do it. You do anything special for the Coog's birthday? 
<laughs> yeah, we were all sucking down chili dogs for uh, supper that night. <laughs> chili dogs, yeah. yeah. Outside the Tasty Freeze? That's right. Yeah. Jake, you do anything You do anything special for the old Cougs 70th? Yeah, I, I listened to Jack and Diane once and then, and then moved along. You know, nothing too big. He wouldn't. He wouldn't want it to be too extravagant. I, 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 how do you have this inside track with John Cougar Mellencamp? I, I, I just assume he seems like a simple guy. A simple man. <laughs> Is he officially John Mellencamp now? I know the Cougar comes and goes. It changes all the time. I think it's just John Mellencamp right now. Yeah, you can go Mellencamp.com, the official website of John Mellencamp. Oh, what an exciting site this is. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't have, like, one of those MIDI players. Remember those MIDI players from, like, the 90s fucking websites where it would just pop up, this second little screen would pop up and start playing music and scare you? Yeah. Like, well, what the fuck is going on? And it's already dial up, so it's just killing your band. Oh, I know. I know. Fuck, we gotta sign off. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, John Mellencamp has a huge forehead these days. Oh my god. Yeah, he looks like, uh, I don't know. Who's got a bigger forehead? Him or Matt Smith? I think, I think wow. it might be Mellencamp. I think Alex Hanold, his next thing he's gonna climb is fucking Matt Smith's forehead. <laughs> They're gonna call it the Matt Wall. He's gonna fucking. <laughs> To climb that thing. Yeah, they have like a fucking. They have a, they have a fucking diagram of his fucking head, and he shows like the different routes that he would take. <laughs> Nobody's done a dino from the eyebrow to the hairline before. They say it's not possible. Oh man, I, yeah, Matt Smith, odd-looking man. I lo- I think he's a fucking fantastic actor. Very odd-looking. Yes, yes. <laughs> they broke the mold. They did. They did, they sure did. Anyway. Oh, fuck me! We've got, uh, Cruella contest winners <laughs> that we've got. What was that giggle for? <laughs> the, 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 oh, fuck me, don't act modest. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, all this, the, the decongestant, the, the, I took a, I took a, like a fucking Excedrin, that's got caffeine in it, so it's like, I already took an expectorant, and then, uh, on top of that, I dropped the Excedrin, it's got the caffeine. Jake, a little fucked up right now. A little fucked up. <laughs> yeah, the perfect yeah. pill combination for may cause interesting segues. Yeah, I don't know. Oh fuck me! That's uh, uh, welcome to our <laughs> welcome to our new segment. Oh fuck me! Now we got to go over our uh, Cruella digital codes winners, and so I finally have that ready for everybody. Um, went a little Dennis Miller there, Jake. Um, <laughs> burp, 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 burp. Uh, let's see here. Who's going to be the big winner? Um, first winner for the Cruella Digital Code, Josh Davis. You're a big fucking winner. Congrats. Grazie. Congrats, Josh. Congrats, Josh Davis. And number two, Brian Bertram. Do you remember Bertram? Was it Bertram? Was it the Crank Yankers? It was Adam Carolla played Bertram. That sounds right. <laughs> Bertram. He'd always call in the hardware stores and shit. Yeah. Anyway, nobody remembers that. Jake's like, that sounds right. Fun. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember that. <laughs> that and like the Jerky Boys all were like kind of the same bit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, fucking. Uh, I'm, uh, it's, stu- it's stupid. This is dumb. <laughs> there, there was one where a crank kickers where it was like a, he had like a, a British guy, like a distinguished British guy's voice, and he called a hardware store asking yeah. questions. Yeah, he's like asking about cock. He's like, "Tell me, does the cock have a taste?" <laughs> <laughs> That is highbrow. Sure, you know more about cock than I do. That is highbrow comedy. Oh my god! <laughs> it's done by puppets. It was so great. I loved Crank Anchors. I was a big fan. Uh, Joe, can you write down these fucking names for me? You got it. Uh, I love you, Josh Davis, Brian, Bur- Brian Bertram. Brian spells his name like mine. Not brain. Not brain. God damn it! I still get that shit. Ah, let's see here. Number three. Mark Busking from the Nerdaholics. Alright, Mark. And number four. Rob Forrest. You win a copy. A digital copy of Cruella. Final winner. Let's see here. Who do we got? God damn it. It's picked Mark Busking the last three times. <laughs> Mark Busking, you went three digital copies of Cruella. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I never can pronounce dude's name. He's going to be on 400. He's got to tell me how to pronounce his fucking last name. Joseph, uh, Olivares. Oh, awesome. Long time listener. Long time fucking listener. He's been on in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So, fan fucking tastic. Those are the five, uh, Cruella digital code winners. And, um, yeah. What are we, what are we talking about now? Oh yeah. Let's take a break. Cause, uh, we're gonna be bringing, we're gonna be, well, we're gonna be going into the good pop, bad pop. But before we do, um, actually, you know what? Fuck it. It'll be part of good pop, bad pop. Let's, let's go to break. We're gonna get somebody else on the podcast. We're getting Billy back on, hopefully, to talk about Dune. Awesome. Be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you two will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we are back. We are joined by Billy Blinks of the Reality Guys, and we're going to be diving into... Uh, the part of the podcast where I pull up the bumpers because I don't have them up, Jake. What the fuck? I'm like a fucking uh, rookie over here. Rookie podcaster. 
Eh, it's okay. It's only your 399th time. No shit. You think I'd be prepared? You think I'd be prepared? All right, let's jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Jake, did you did you know that J.J. Abrams wrote regarding Henry? No, I had no idea. He went under a different pen name back then. He went under like a different name. It wasn't JJ. It was like his like real name. He must have been really young. Right? Twenty five, oh. right? Fresh out of fucking like uh, film school. Twenty five. Wow. Twenty four, twenty five. Yeah. Written by Jeffrey Abrams. Yeah, that's that's JJ Abrams. <laughs> I no clue. Yeah. You ever seen Regarding Henry? I don't know that I have. It's an interesting movie. Interesting. Yeah, I remember movie. seeing that when it came out. I yeah. was just a kid. It is an interesting movie. Yeah. Yeah. Not a why we're here. Personal growth movie. <laughs> Not why we're here today. I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> we got Billy Blaze for the reality guys. Welcome, Billy. What's going on, guys? Wanted to talk to you. You got to see, uh, Dune, uh, early. And so, uh, comes out, uh, to, to the audiences next week. I was going to go see it on the 21st. Uh, opening night, and that, but I found out. Listen to this, Jake. Uh, the normal theater uh, in, in Bloomington, normal, playing Psycho Gorman in the theater. Oh, you have to see it. What day is that? Twenty uh, first, seven o'clock. Nice Thursday. That's it. That's awesome, man. Thursday. Can I? Is there still tickets? Can I go to that? Uh, yeah. 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 Give me a ticket. I'll hundred percent be there. Okay. Let me. See. I'll find out. I, uh, I'll try to. Yeah. I'll get you a ticket. I'll get you a ticket. I'll get you take yeah, psycho I fucking Gorman. I have to see that in the theater. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So, um, Billy, uh, Dune, Dune came out and, uh, you don't have to rate it right away if you don't want to, but, uh, what, what, what are your initial thoughts on, uh, on the new, uh, Dune movie? Um, I love this movie, Brian. It was an experience. Denis Villeneuve has this way with his films of, and I, I'm trying not to make it sound cheeky, but he, it, it felt like I literally was on planet Arrakis. It did not feel like you were watching a movie about people on this planet and about spice and stuff. It really felt like they were somehow able to plop cameras down on the real planet and be involved. That's how immersive the film is. And that's why I really want to start off the top before I really get into anything for anyone that can like safely and there's something close or it's in your budget to go. Go and see this, at least in the theaters, if you can support this film that way. If you can go in anything bigger, IMAX, you will not miss out. It won't be something that you're going to be walking out and I can't believe I wasted my money. This film has a lot going on. It, it It's all great, but there is a lot. There is a lot of world building. There is a lot going on. There's a lot to see and a lot to hear. And this movie deserves your full attention. And I think, unfortunately, we all are kind of... We're, we're all, we're watching it at home. You're going to end up losing a little bit of focus. You're going to be able to pause it. You're going to be able to go up to the bathroom or you're going to go and get food. And I was so grateful to see this in a good theater and to just be able to put it away for two and a half hours and 
I have not felt as immersed in a world probably all year and probably in a while. It's not a perfect film, but I, I, you know, if I want to go rating, I mean, it's a total Tupperware for me. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, cinematographer Roger Deakins, who's been working with, uh, Denis on a lot of projects here lately. They worked on Sicario, Blade Runner 2049, and, uh, now they've reteamed, uh, for, for Dune. I'm a huge fan of Roger Deakins. I believe he was a cinematographer for Shawshank Redemption, I believe, Jake. Oh shit! I did not know that. That's one of the best shot movies I've ever fucking seen. And maybe I'm misspeaking. I, I hope I'm right here. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Uh, Give me a bit. Yeah, yeah a bit. Cinematographer is not the first thing that comes up when you search a movie. I gotta tell you. From if it's the same list I saw, Brian had Greg Fraser listed. Like you're saying, if that's him, and he's supposed to be the same guy working on the Batman. Roger Deakins is the... It is Roger Deakins, yeah. yes. Yeah, it is Greg Frazier, ACS. Cool. Uh, oh, so Deakins wasn't the cinematographer on Dune? On the list I was just looking at, I had a different name. It doesn't mean the list I was looking at was right. I'm seeing this guy's name, Craig Frazier, G-R-E-I-G, and then Frazier, F-R-A-S-E-R. Give me 10 minutes and I'll tell you. <laughs> it's not. It's Greg Frazier. I, th- I thought it was Roger Deakins. That is not any um, big hat journalism on my part. That is just me having a list up. So I don't want anyone to think I'm like, oh. But, the, I mean, if you look back, I mean, that's our saying now. He did Rogue One. He did Vice. And apparently he did the Batman. He did Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, this guy's good. He did Lion. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this guy's good. This guy's good. I, yeah. I, I thought it was Deakins. I love Deakins. Yeah, toss this movie. I'm kidding. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Um, I kind of want to just, I mean, I could go into, I mean, obviously, Timothy Chalamet is amazing. I don't want to, If you, I kind of wanted to do it maybe if you guys just want to want to ask me because I don't want to spoil too much. Now, I know it's a 50-year-old book, but I would fair to say that a lot of people maybe haven't read Dune. Um, well, we've got, that's why we've got Joe. One of the reasons Joe's on, on this episode is I wanted him to be able to ask you some questions. Joe's a huge fan of the book. Joe, yeah. you can tell us about it. Yeah, Dune is is one of my favorite novels. Like, it's one of those ones that I've read so many times I've lost count. Uh, I, I've read pretty much all the other follow up books that that Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert wrote, uh, based off uh, Frank Herbert's notes that they found in a um, like a safety deposit box after his death, uh, like on a five and a quarter floppy disk uh, outlined for Dune Seven and all this stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of the book series, and I've been super stoked for this movie to come out. Um, totally jealous that, that you got to see it early and so stoked for it. And like, it, it makes me so happy to hear how much you'd liked it. Uh, have you read the, the book? Are you familiar with the source material? I, I've saw, I've seen the previous iterations. I have not read the book. It is actually sitting here on my dresser. Um, I, I really should be reading that since I haven't, like I told Brian <laughs> and Jake last week, I'm, I'm sitting here rereading Lord of the Rings again. So I, I, I really need to stop oh, same doing here. that, but. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's on the list definitely. So I'm, I'm actually now it's, it'd be great to talk to someone who knows the world a lot better, um, than myself, just seeing it and kind of doing a little research after the fact of seeing the film. Very cool. Um, knowing that they took this, 
this source material, which is, you know, obviously one novel and they've split it into two films, which makes sense because even though the novels, you know, it's fairly slim for a paperback, there's a lot that happens in it. So it's, I was really excited to hear that they're going to split this into two movies. And so essentially when it's done, it's going to be like one big epic, which is the way it should be. Um, how did you feel? that they did ending this one the way that they did did you have some like good closure is this in terms of this film and it just has you stoked to watch the next one or do do you walk away with a feeling like you got an incomplete story a little bit of both if i'm going to be completely honest it's probably one of the now it's not as big of a criticism for myself i love that type of storytelling um it the story does it doesn't end on a huge boom it does end on a little bit more of a settled note and a little bit more of a transition type of phase um not as dramatic even say like we we're just talking about lord of the rings maybe as the fellowship of the ring maybe there's you know it's not like the uh, boromir and a giant huge huge battle per se that's the very very end but the ending is a lot more character closure based in transitioning and hey we just went on this journey but the journey is nowhere near over mm-hmm. i do think for common audience for not common audience for maybe a little more casual audiences that may be a gripe of theirs um but i did i kind of had that written in my notes too um i mean they put it in the tagline it really when it says dune when the, the title comes up it literally says part one so they're letting people mm-hmm. know right away what they're getting into it they're not it's not really like a bait and switch type of thing, but again, I think you do have to absorb so much during that film that you really – I don't think they could have put any more world building into that at the end. It would have been a little too much, I think. So it, it's a little bit of both good and bad, but for me, it's more good than bad. Yeah, I, I'd imagine if you're not fully aware of the source material or from, uh, familiar with it, they're probably hitting you over the head with lots of different names and <laughs> – concepts and stuff that make your head spin (laughs) they do um that's something i think the only thing in the beginning of the film and maybe even the first hour when they're trying to establish you know the house of trades house harkening even the freeman a little bit if you're not paying attention you're gonna miss some stuff and i don't want people to get discouraged by that even when i was early in the film i felt like i was missing some things and i'm like crap like i'm already kind of behind and maybe I'm not going to be, I'm not going to catch up during the film. Am I going to feel behind? And I don't think by the end I did. I think even midway through, they do kind of start to repeat, like I said, the Atreides stuff, the Harkonnen stuff, and they start talking about the Empire a little bit, and the Empire is always brought up. Um, but there is a lot, and that's why I think, again, going to this film for your first viewing, you can go in and experience it. And you'll have more focus. Then when you go back a second time on HBO Max and stuff and enjoy it at home, you'll pick up some of more of the details and things, but you're not you'll know where it's going, so you'll be able to enjoy that repeat viewing and actually learn more. Like I'm really looking forward to next week for myself to see it on HBO Max because obviously I had that big theater experience, but I really think people will not be disappointed in going to the theater to see this. Nice. How yeah, I'm so excited to hear all that. How was uh, a couple actors? I'm curious. Mm-hmm. How was uh, actually a few? Yeah, just go through these actors. I want to. I want to know how they did. How was How was Brolin? How was Momoa? How was Batista? How was um, uh, Oscar Isaac? Uh, bro, uh, Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho is awesome. He's probably one of the best 
characters in this film. He has such a great relationship with the Paul Atreides character. It's kind of a big brother, little brother dynamic. Um, Paul Atreides, that's, that's Timoth- Timothy. I, I'm so bad. Can someone tell me how to say his name correctly? Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Okay, so it isn't as fancy as it looks. See, I always try to make it with because he's got the he's got the two E's and it's got the little thing on top of the first E. I'm like that's so Chalamet's character. I mean, he's amazing. He he knocks it completely out of the park. I was really surprised to find out that the chocolate factory was on Arrakis, so that was interesting. So it's <laughs> actually a, a, the part one of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory prequel. Um, what else did you ask me? Oscar Isaac. He chews up the scenes that he's in. I wish there was more of him with Paul Atreides. Now, there are some great scenes um, with them, and I'm sure in the book they probably share a lot more time. But with this cast, they had to get everyone the screen time they could. Um, the same kind of goes for Batista's character. I, it's a, was it Glossu? I wish I saw a little bit more of him. Um, Brolin kills it. Brolin's also, he just plays that straightforward, it's military character, he's a general, he's kind of a, a trainer as well, he has a couple of good scenes with uh, Paul Atreides, so, um, who else is really in it? Is Rebecca that Gurney carrying a loot at all in it? Um, which one? Gurney, Brolin's character, Gurney Halleck. Yeah, he has a good, yeah, he definitely has a lot of it, I mean, without getting too much into the plot, obviously. It's I was about, just curious if they kept that part of the character, because that's always something cool about Gurney, said he, is that he carries this, like, futuristic loot around, and he's like this fierce killer, but he also is like a beautiful singer. Um, no, he is a hard <laughs> And I was like, I don't think they're going to have Brolin have him singing, but... It's Brolin, there's actually the a... It's funny you just said that. There's <laughs> actually a scene that's in one of the trailers, so it's not a spoiler, but it's... they. Uh, Oscar Isaac's character, Leto Atreides, is like, smile, and he's, you know, Brolin's got this straight, mean face on, he goes, I am smiling. <laughs> it's just, that's who he plays, it's great. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Lady Jessica, she gets a ton of screen time in this movie. I think probably besides Chalamet's character, Ferguson may get the most screen time of anyone. She is heavily involved, and I'm sure you know why, as long with the plot and what the kind of the what that first part of that book is setting up. She is very, very heavily involved in her. I don't know what you call it. Is her her religion or her is magic or kind of a little bit of both that she's involved in? They, that's a little bit vague. They don't get too deep in. There's a little bit of a prophecy kind of thing going on in this first part of the movie, and mm-hmm. it seems like they're setting up a lot that'll get paid off in the next film. She, I think, uh, Rebecca Ferguson was fantastic in, uh, that Mission Impossible movie. The first one she was in with, uh, with Tom Cruise. I think in the second one she was pregnant for the filming. I remember hearing that. Yeah. I think, how is, uh, Zendaya? Zendaya is, now I can't fucking pronounce her fucking name. Zendaya. Zendaya. How is she? I mean, she is amazing when you see her. I don't, I don't want to get too much into it, but I'm seeing this already being posted a lot on Twitter and stuff. She is not in the movie that much. Hmm. I've she, seen that too. She'll be huge in the second part. Uh, she, yeah. the, according to Villeneuve, she is like the main character in the second one. She is – she's basically the best way I could describe her in this movie. She's almost like the MacGuffin in a way for the main character. Um, he's looking for her in a, a, for a, a big portion of the <laughs> film. Dude, uh, off air, I'm going to ask you where they cut this off because I got a pretty good idea where they did. Yeah, yeah no, I, I definitely will too. not 
Yeah, I definitely will not say that here on air. Um, <laughs> it would be very crude, and it probably wouldn't even spoil it as well for people that know it. You know, the only people who would probably even be able to pick it up are people like you guys who have read the books a bunch. But, I, I, you know, she's amazing in the scenes and in the stuff that they feature her in. She's definitely not, not seen in the film. She's prominently featured, but not in maybe as an active participant as much as they – I mean, she's like front and center on the on the poster, so – have they cast for the second half already? I don't Do we know who's so. going to play like the the sting role in the second half? Because obviously you're not going to get to that in this movie, right? The oh, do I, they I, have I, that's Fade Rautha? Yeah, would Fade. be the character. Um, I'm pulling up the cast. I feel like this episode's fading. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's like I'm like I don't know who these people are. <laughs> Have you seen the original David Lynch version? Oh, uh, which will oh, okay. So that came out yeah. in the '80s. It's uh, God damn it. I'm I'm not a Lynch fan, Jake. So Kyle, I'm not either. I'm not either. Kyle MacLachlan is the Paul Atreides yeah. in that version. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I feel like I said I saw that once, but I mean years ago. <laughs> right? Patrick Stewart is Gurney. <laughs> I do not like the deviations they made in that, and it was because they didn't want to do quote unquote kung fu on the sand. And it's like, come on, man. The weirding way is the shit. It's like, yeah, it's kung fu on the sand. It's better than having a weird thing that hooks to your neck that you have to in tandem shout from a gun. This fucking ruined it. Thanks, Dick. How can anything be too weird for David Lynch? What a fucking hypocrite. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I remember the first time I saw Lost Highway. I was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, Any Anything David Lynch. I couldn't get into Twin, Twin Peaks. And I know, like, he has his fans. I've just never been a Lynch fan. Yeah, it's looking like Fade Routha might not have a role at all in in this first one. And that makes sense. That's why I was wondering if they if we already cast that character for the second movie. But we haven't done any, like, pre-production or filming of the second movie yet, right? It's kind of in, in hold. That's yeah, that's everything I've seen. Yeah, yeah. they were. He wanted to do them back to back, and they told him, "No, let's just do the one and see how it goes." And this is, you know, obviously where we are now. Yeah, I really hope it hits because I mean, just from the trailers, it, it looks incredible. And then hearing your take on it, like, oh, I can't wait for next week to see this. How was the music? I'm a big Hans Zimmer fan. I I know he did the work on this. Incredible. It, again, it was it was a part of that immersive process of this film. Like I said, I felt like it was an experience. It made you again feel like you were on location in this fantastical world. And it, you know, you hear Hans Zimmer. It's I don't really need to get into that much more. I mean, it's the guy does not miss, and he he got this world. He he's able again. It's something about even being able to make the music sound like it is foreign or alien yet re- relatable and human in a way and it again it's 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 really cool and i I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into the books and seeing this world build more because it is with the houses and the empire and stuff it is really cool it has a lot of you can see the influences that this has on a lot of things because it, it's there's you know like you said there's a medieval aspect to it a Game of Thrones esque aspect to it there's a Star Wars aspect to it there's it's really cool that it has this you could see and I'm not saying that they're direct influences I mean you guys could tell me better than that but it's just really cool to see that this novel that's you know came out a very long time ago have setting some of these 
fantasy tropes and pop culture things that have become norms now in storytelling. Yeah, well, think about like, oh, yeah. think about Lord of the Rings and how like the influence it had on Dungeons and Dragons, and think of like Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, like Blade Runner, everybody fucking aped off of Blade Runner and the look of Blade Runner that you see in yeah. in a lot of films. And same thing, I'm sure, goes for Dune as well. Oh, I also wanted to point out that Hans Zimmer did the uh, music for regarding Henry. I'm not even joking. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> no way, really. Yeah, I'm 100. percent That's not a joke. It's a big month for Hans Zimmer. He did the music for the new Bond movie, the new Dune movie. So it's crazy when like the stars kind of align and and your movies come out at the same time like that. I still love what he did for Man of Steel. I still think that that fucking. I mean, it's hard to beat John Williams' score, but I think he did a. I think he did a serviceable job in Man of Steel. No, the Man of Steel 100%. the music, the theme, very good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Tupperware for Dune. That's exciting, Billy. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot you probably want to talk about, but you can't get into too many spoilers. But did you have anything else you wanted to leave us with with the with the Dune review? No, like I said, I I if I could leave you guys again, I'm going to keep repeating it because I want to drive that message home. If you have any way to go to the theater to support this film, I think because of the bad PR that Warner has had and it's done very well across you know overseas that we more than likely will get a part two but i really think the support will really help i know that it's coming out early on hbo max now apparently a day early which is going to tempt people again to see it but i think you're going to hear it in that dolby sound in that theater experiencing with people having complete focus on it it's a great world don't get too hung up if you don't understand everything that's going on or all the the minor details of the house politics and stuff, it's not going to matter in the end for you to be able to enjoy the entire film. So just go along for the ride, and I think your audience will definitely enjoy it. Joe, are you going to be seeing? Are you going to be seeing this uh, in IMAX? Is this going to be a trip you're going to be making for IMAX, Joe? Oh, that's like the closest IMAX to me is almost two hours away. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. 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 So hey, I've, I've yet to ever experience a movie in IMAX, but this is one that, that I'll be catching in the theater. I won't be able to catch it opening night. Um, so probably it'll be like that Saturday. Um, I'll be able to see it in the theater and, oh, I can't wait, man. <laughs> does it, does it burn you up that I could see it opening night in an IMAX, but yet I'm making the trip to normal to go watch Psycho Gorman? <laughs> no, no way all, man priorities <laughs> if you were that a dude awesome. mega fan like i am i'd be like okay i like psycho gorman too but like dune is gonna rank higher for me personally <laughs> oh my god jake psycho gorman in a theater yeah dude i can't wait i can't wait i'm gonna talk to michelle see if i can't talk her into maybe coming too he hasn't even seen it yet <gasps> oh my oh. god oh Oh my god. That, that Tell her about the Hunky Boys. No, no, no. <laughs> I recently, off of Etsy, Etsy, I bought a, um, Psycho Gorman mug and it says, not my Hunky Boys. <laughs> and, um, oh, there's a, a Psycho Gorman comic book Kickstarter going on right now. So you could get a, uh, print copy of, uh, of a 64 page Psycho Gorman, uh, comic book that's gonna be coming out. So I did, I have already backed that. 
what a perfect character for a comic book. Like, I just, <laughs> no oh my gosh. Like, it, it would seem like it'd be really Kirby influenced with just all kinds of crazy stuff going out there in the cosmos. Yeah. And they've already, I think they've hit, uh, 55,000 and they keep unlocking new rewards. So people are getting stickers and, and, and prints and, Highly recommend if you're a Psycho Gorman fan to back the Psycho Gorman Kickstarter. But Billy, thank you so fucking much, dude, for letting us know. It, now you've got me hyped. Now you've got me really hyped. Like when I saw the trailer for the first time at home, I gave it a high taste it on an episode. Having seen the trailer and other trailers that they've released since in the theater, it's a Tupperware, and so to hear that the movie is a Tupperware gets me super fucking excited. So I can't wait, and I hope it is an epic, and I hope it does do gangbusters in the theater. We can get uh, we can get part two starting to film here uh, shortly because uh, it would suck if this was just like a one and done movie and just leaves people kind of like, what the fuck, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of the Dune curse up until this point, where they always just get started and they never go any further. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping uh, that uh, that we get another. Billy, where can people find you, man? Right now you can find the Reality Guys on YouTube. So we are doing a couple episodes a week. We're definitely going to get Jake on soon for Survivor, but we're covering mainly the Bachelor franchise, the Survivor franchise. It's a show for guys and girls that – Maybe even aren't the biggest reality TV fans or are the biggest reality TV fans. We weren't to start and we have have become. We're kind of like late bloomers. So we're even going back and watching old stuff. So it's myself, Brian and Kevin. And like I said, we have a lot of guests on and I'm um, going to expand to myself some further stuff in the future. But like you guys know, I have a wedding now less than two weeks away and a honeymoon but after that looking forward to um starting to get back on the pop culture grind as well so um i appreciate you guys as always having me on and i think you guys will love this movie so definitely go see dune fantastic Can't wait at the wedding are you going to be playing any john cougar Mellencamp? <laughs> i you know for you maybe i will now well you know I cel- a I, shout out to Brian. You know, I celebrated his 70th birthday. So it was, uh, yeah. Anyway, this is dumb. All right. Thank- <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Later on, dude. All right. Let's see here. What the fuck am I doing? Okay. Let's, uh, let's jump into the rest of Good Pop, Bad Pop. Um, oh, real quick. I wanted to let everybody know that, uh, the Heels finale on Stars. Uh, dropped last Sunday and, uh, this show, I mean, I've done a heel turn on this show, Jake, uh, cause <laughs> you mean you hate it now you boo it. Well, I, the first two episodes didn't blow me away. And, um, so I kind of got on here and I think I gave it like a tasted or a low taste. I can't remember. And then episode three comes out, four comes out, and it just gets better and better and better and better with every episode. This is a fantastic show. Um, so I highly recommend, like, I know I, I saw online, like, Joe Vitale um, uh, from the Vintage Geeks podcast, like, got a star subscription just so he could watch this show. And um, it is it is a phenomenal show. Joe, have you started Heels? No, not yet. It's on my agenda, though. Yeah, I, I think you'll love it, man. Like, um, and not to say that the first two episodes are bad. I, I, there's a lot of getting to know the characters. I just think, like, I got so invested in these characters that, like, by the last 
three, four episodes. Like there's moments where I'm like audibly cheering. I, I actually reached out to Michael Malley on Twitter and I've tweeted at him a couple times. He really appreciates people enjoying his show. He's the showrunner. And, um, I, I, I told him, I said, you know, uh, it was the penultimate episode. I audibly shouted like, and fist pumped during that penultimate, penultimate episode. It got reactions out of me. Like, that's a sign of a great show. Like, when you're that invested with the characters to the point where, like, they're doing something and it fucking, it gets you out of your seat, your fist pumping, you're going, woo, yes, you know, you're fucking, you're, this show does it for me. I fucking love it. I don't even think you have to be a fan of professional wrestling, which I grew up being a fan of professional wrestling. And then once I got older, I just, I kind of dropped off of it. But man, this is really kind of like, um, uh, ignited a spark uh, of my, of my former love for professional wrestling. And then of course, been watching like dark side of the ring every week and loving that. Uh, still watching why the last man, I think I'm through episode five and I'm loving the show. I think the actor that they got to play York is fantastic. I think this guy has a lot of potential. Um, just very, very charismatic, good actor. And then of course, uh, the, uh, Ted Lasso season two finale, um, Joe, did you watch it? I'm like still halfway through season two. I need okay. to, to get caught up on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not sure if what the major thing that they did at the end, it didn't feel quite earned to me. I loved everything else about the season. I love, uh, was it Dr. Dr. Sharon? I love her. I love everything that was yeah going she's on. great she's fantastic love her love everything that's going on with her and ted and the team there's something that happens in the final episode and i'm not 100 percent sure that it was earned um but i still love the season overall let's dive into the things that i wanted you guys to watch with me this week i know what you did last summer this is a you know we there was the book that came out in the early 70s and then they made the movie in 97 that had, uh, what's her name from Can't Hardly Wait? What was her name? Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt. And then, uh, yeah, she had that hyphen in her name, didn't she, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I want a hyphen in my name, dude. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a fucking hyphen. Fucking hyphen in your name? That's a, that's a, that's a little bit of class, you know? Yeah, but Pick an emotion just, and then something else. Yeah. Attach your middle name to your last name with a hyphen. Was that what you do? Or give yourself a whole new name. Mm. Whole new name. It's a whole yeah. new world. <laughs> and I got a whole new name. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Oh, my God. What is going on? It's all- yeah, you you singing Aladdin songs was not on my list for tonight. I think I've only seen I think I've seen Aladdin one time in my life. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, Joe. Yeah, Jake. You know, we were talking about like uh, a few weeks ago. We were talking to like, like, what's the one big movie that I haven't seen? And I've got, mm-hmm. an, I've got an answer for you. No, I'm excited. Hook. I've never seen Hook. Oh wow! Movie, wow. I, I guess big now. It has so much love, like after the fact. But it was pretty much a gigantic flop when it came out. Oh, I've heard it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> other than giving us bangarang, there's really not much going for it. Yeah, I will. I had that on VHS, and it was one of those movies that I'd watch on sick days. 
Yeah. It was yeah. in the sick day rotation for many years. Well, I'm not feeling great today, but I'm still not going to be watching that fucking movie. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no desire to watch Huck. And I'm sure that there's people that love Huck and uh, absolutely are huge fans of Huck. I, I just I, – I, I, I don't see myself ever watching Huck. Yeah, I, I love it, but I, it's one of those nostalgia things. You know, I love it because I loved it when I was really young. And so it definitely still makes me tear up when I watch it to this day. But yeah. I think if I looked at it objectively, it's, it's not a great movie. Yeah. Anyway, I know. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Joe. I was say, I haven't revisited it in many years and I've been slowly working through like childhood movies with the boys now that they're kind of old enough to actually pay attention. Yeah. And Hook has not been on that list. <laughs> have you I still seen? I don't know if I'll add it. Have you watched uh, The Last Starfighter with the boys? No, not that one yet. Oh, you should watch it. Have you seen Last Starfighter? Uh, not for, not since I was a kid. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's one where it would be a rewatch for me. Right now, we're about halfway through Army of Darkness, and they're loving uh, that. There you go. Of course they are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hail to the king, baby. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, uh, Bruce is coming back here. I told you this, Jake. Bruce is coming back here next year. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. I've never had a chance to meet Bruce Campbell, so I'm well, very interested. He, um, yeah, he came. He came here a little over a decade ago, and uh, to the Avon Theater here where I live, and uh, it's his favorite theater. He said it before, and he's he's friends with the guy who owns it, and so he's coming back. Um, he said on Facebook, uh, Skip uh, Houston, the owner of the Avon, said that Bruce is coming back in 2022. And I cannot fucking wait, Jake. And I hear that he hangs out at the Lincoln Lounge before he does his show. I'm totally going to be hanging out at the Lincoln Lounge, and I'm going to try to buy Bruce Campbell a drink. And hopefully we'll get a chance to just fucking shoot the shit with Bruce Campbell. I'm Yeah, everything I've seen and read kind of hints towards the fact that he's pretty cool with the fans in that kind of way like he, yeah. you know, he's not like a real private guy when it comes to like hanging out with people yeah i just want to say hi you know that's it i just want to buy him a drink and thank him for my childhood <laughs> so because he was such a positive influence his movies were so fantastic when i was a kid and they're still great um yeah i know what you did last summer this uh it's a series now it's dropped on amazon prime and uh in a town full of secrets, a group of teenagers are stalked by a mysterious killer a year after a fatal accident on their graduation night. Neil H. Moritz and James Wan serve as executive producers, and uh, I could only get through the first episode, and I absolutely hated this show. It is an absolute toss-it. These kids are so vapid. These teenagers are so vapid and lame, and I did not care about this fucking show at all. The acting is horrendous. Um, you've got one of the main actors, this girl playing two parts, uh, one of her sister, her twin sister. And, uh, the, the way they cut back and forth between the two is just terrible. Like, it's like, this was just, this was just an abomination of a first episode so bad that it made me, uh, want to never return to this and I was trying to find ways of where, how I could remove it off the front page of Amazon Prime. So I never had to look at anything uh, about this movie ever again. Cause this. How did that go? Can't do it, Jake. It's still fucking uh. right there. And, uh, I know what you did last summer. 
is on Amazon Prime is, you know, and the first movie was fun. I mean, it was coming off of like Scream. And they really were trying to like recreate that Scream West Craven experience that audiences loved in the theater back in 96. And, uh, and it, it was a fun movie. I thought it was a serviceable kind of like Scream type of movie back when it came out. This is an abomination. I, I absolutely toss it. We'll not be revisiting it. Uh, Joe, did you watch any of this? Yeah, I, I had kind of had the opposite reaction with it. I, I had a lot of fun with the first episode. Um, I, I do agree with, with a lot of the things you said, especially with like the characters being vapid and unlikable, but that kind of works for me because I'm expecting to see these people get murdered. <laughs> but, um, I, I kind of liked the, the twist that they threw in at the end. And I was assuming, you know, as the episode went on, something like that kind of was going to happen. Um, that, I mean, yeah, the acting in it wasn't the best, but I really wasn't expecting it to be that great either. Uh, just in terms of a first episode, it had me intrigued enough to want to watch more, but it didn't do anything to blow my socks off. For, for me, it was just a taste it. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I hated it too. I'm pretty much right there in line with you. <laughs> it was a toss it for me. Uh, you touched on all the terrible things pretty well. Uh, the acting was really bad. I want to touch on the dialogue. The dialogue was so terrible in this show. It was like, someone our age was trying to write hip dialogue for like Gen Z kids. And, um, it was not working. The, the dialogue was so cringy in this. Um, and it's one of those things where if you saw the movie or even just the title of the show kind of leads you off to like what the, what's going to happen. And I, I thought it just took way too long to get to the moment that we all knew was coming. Um, you know, normally I'd want that kind of character building to make it more impactful, but, I was just like forcing myself not to look at my phone through most of this, honestly. Right. Oh God. Yeah. And yeah, I couldn't do it. I I actually started the second episode and got maybe about 10 minutes in before that's when I said, what the fuck? I I'm done with this. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, God, I could not get away from this faster. It was, uh, I did not, you know, and, I have, I'll be honest, I haven't seen the movie, the 97 movie, probably since 97. But, uh, I remember really enjoying that. Maybe it is because, you know, we're guys in our forties now that maybe if we're younger, um, you know, maybe for your younger audience at the beginning, you've got this girl telling us about life and all this stuff. And like, and I'm just like, what the fuck do you know about anything? <laughs> get off my lawn don't fucking tell me about fucking life girl get out of here what are you fucking you're 17 get the fuck out of here you don't know shit i was i was mad i was girl driving around in her jeep fucking telling me about life get the fuck out of here you're wet behind the ears bullshit i think the i think the casting and the acting is better in the movie though honestly i don't oh think god just, yeah we've yeah. just grown out of it i mean sarah michelle geller and jennifer love hewitt freddie prince, prince jr, jr. Yeah. And, yeah like it, it's way better i think it's filmed way better i think the story is just better served to be an under two hour movie i mean in the movie you get the i know what you did last summer moment within 20 minutes of the movie you yeah know? Here yeah it's an entire 50 minute episode just dedicated to what the movie covers in, in, in 15 minutes. So right. I think, I don't think this story needed to be stretched out like that. So yeah, hey, I'm out. Have you guys seen the new scream trailer? Yes. Yeah. 
Wow, dude, what are your thoughts? What are you, are you guys looking for? It's, t- it's a Tupperware for me, dude. I, I Scream is like every decade I I love Scream even more. I think at this point it's like one of my ten favorite movies of all time, and that's just the original Scream. Sure, it, yeah. it's just so fucking brilliant. And um, you know me, I'm not a big sequel guy. I, I think Scream Two is an okay movie. I think Scream Four is completely abysmal. Um, I think Scream 4 is actually the second best one and a lot of a return to form. But I'm really pumped. I thought this trailer was really good. I was a huge fan of Ready or Not. And I think those writers are the perfect writers to uh, kind of breathe that comedy horror touch into this movie. And I, I really think they've got a handle on what makes the, the Scream story good. So yeah, I, I'm very excited to... Uh, once again, try to figure out who the, uh, you know, ghost face is. I- I'm going to go into this completely no spoilers. I, I don't want to know anything. I want to be able to guess along yeah, with everyone yeah. else and not know who's going to die. And I just think these movies are better served going in as blind as possible. So I'm to the point where I don't even want to see another trailer. If there is a second trailer for this, I'm going to try to avoid it, honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I was not a fan of Ready or Not. So, but that doesn't, um, that doesn't make me wane on like my excitement for Scream because I I see I've seen the new trailer and uh, I think most of my problem with Ready or Not is actually Samara Weaving. I know everybody loves her. I'm just she, she just didn't do it for me in that movie. Anyway, I love that movie. Anyway, yeah, yeah. same here. I, I didn't know that those were the same writers for the new Scream. I'm really excited about that now. I think yeah. I'm in the minority. I think most people loved Ready or Not. I just was not the biggest fan. But it doesn't like that doesn't affect how I'm feeling about the new scream. I really I can't wait to see all these characters come back, the ones that have survived. What is the big? I got it's like I got to know like what's the big twist in this one. I can't wait to find that out. Uh, I'll probably be watching it opening night. Comes out in January. Yeah, weird time for that. Weird time for it that. Make, but, I uh, guess you know you don't want to compete against Halloween kills, but and you don't want to wait until fucking next Halloween. So. I don't know. We'll see what it does in January. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Have you seen the trailer for the new Ethan Hawke movie? Was it called The Black Phone? I have not. Oh, yeah. That's bananas looking. Don't watch the trailer because the I felt like the trailer gave away the whole movie. Oh, I hate that. It felt like it gave away the whole movie. So if... Yeah, just read a synopsis and go into the movie clean. Because, like, if you watch the trailer, it's like they've pretty... It feels like they gave away the whole fucking movie. Other than that, the movie looks really good. I think Ethan Hawke is the villain. It's an interesting choice. And I always I always like Ethan Hawke. I always enjoy Ethan Hawke. Oh, Ethan Hawke's great. Yeah. I can't wait to see him opposite Oscar Isaac in the Moon Knight show. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Dope sick on Hulu. They drop three episodes and then they're going to drop the uh, other episodes week to week, uh, beginning with a single dealer who lands in a small Virginia town and sets about turning high school football stars into heroin overdose statistics. Macy endeavors to answer a grieving mother's question why her only son died and comes away with a harrowing story of greed and need. It's a drama series created by Danny Strong based on the nonfiction book Dope Sick, Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America by Beth Macy. And uh, yeah, basically it's uh, it stars Michael Keaton, Peter Sarsgaard, Michael Stuhlbarg, Will Poulter, uh, Rosario Dawson, uh, Caitlin Deaver, Amazing cast here. And this is basically like the, um, a company that, uh, created an opioid that 
was basically approved by the FDA and it had a, um, and it was not, it was supposed to addict less than 1%, 1%, less than 1% of people get addicted to this opioid that's supposed to relieve pain. And, uh, it's a timed release capsule. So it can never release, it, 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 it doesn't hit enough. You don't get enough opioids to the point where you're going to get fully addicted. It, it's time release over a 24 hour period. And you take, I think you take what, two a day, one in the morning, one at night. And they started to like, um, uh, they really started to hit towns that had people that were like farmers and, and people in mining, people that had pains and uh, small town America, these small communities. And uh, they noticed once this drug got out and this is real, like they noticed once this drug got out, like crime went up, people were addicted to this thing. And they basically turned these doctors the, the, into drug dealers and I like that we're following Michael Keaton's character, this this small town doctor who has a relationship with all of his patients. Like there's this one girl, the first girl that he gives the drug to in the first episode. Uh, she's 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 a minor and she's got back problems. She, uh, she was injured in the mine, really fucked up her back. So he's like, there's this new drug FDA approved and uh, it'll it'll help you with the pain and uh, and gives it to her. I haven't gone any farther. I haven't watched the second or third episode, but uh, first episode is fantastic in my opinion. And uh, Michael Keaton's character of like this, you know, he, like he's talking to this girl. He's like, you know, I was, I was there when I, I, you know, when you, when your mother gave birth and like, I was the one who delivered you. And like, he has a connection to these people in this small town. This is not like fucking like a big city, like, you know, New York or Chicago and, it's it's like it's a small town. Everybody knows like the the doctor in this town, and um, he's they this drug. They've basically turned these doctors into drug dealers, and and it's really upsetting. Michael Stuhlbarg plays like the guy that's the you know the head of this big kind of like you know company that's uh, putting the drug out there, uh, OxyContin, and um, then you've got uh, um, Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, kind of like, uh, and Rosario Dawson, like leading the charge to investigate this drug and, and they're finding things out along the way that, that, uh, definitely some illegal practices going on. And I am, it's a mini series. Um, I think it's fantastic. I think Michael Stuhlbarg for as, as, a, as for as wonderful a character actor as he is, I think he's a little over the top in this. So far, I think he's a wonderful character actor, but uh, I think he is a his character's a little over the top in this. Um, haven't spent a lot of time with Will Poulter in this first episode, but I like him as an actor. Um, I am going to give this. I'll give it a I'll give it a high taste for the first episode. Not saying that it's not going to be a Tupperware by the end of this. But I high taste it for the first episode. I think Keaton is fantastic. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard is great. Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time with Rosario Dawson yet and, uh, Will Poulter. Um, Michael Stuhlbarg, the guy that I think that I would have, would have been raving about, uh, is probably like the le- most, is, is the least impressive so far. And that's, 
that saddens me because I think Michael Stuhlbarg is a is a phenomenal actor. Phenomenal. Anything he's in, he usually elevates it. But I'll give it a high taste it so far. Jake, what did you think about Dope Sick? Yeah, I watched the first two episodes of Dope Sick. I'm going to give it just a middle-of-the-road taste it. Um, I think it's very high quality. I could see people loving this show. Um, and it just kind of brought me to a dark place. At the end of the second episode, I was like, I think I'm done with this show. It's, it's a real feel-bad. Feel but, I mean... Other than that, like the acting is phenomenal. Like uh, the story and the message is very, very interesting. It, it's just not my cup of tea. I, I don't think I can personally continue on with this. Like, oh my gosh, it's just so depressing to see like how evil Big Pharma is in this in this story, and just the Statler family also, or the Sackler family is just like all about the money, all about the money, the lies being told, the FDA's involvement. Like these are just topics that in today's climate, I was not having a good time thinking about. So <laughs> I'm probably going to pass after these first two episodes, but yeah, I mean, it's, I could see how people would high taste this Tupperware. Absolutely love this show. Like there's, I'm not tasting it because I think it's in any way like janky. I, I think the acting and the production and the direction and just everything about it is just very, very top quality, but yeah, just not my cup of tea. I, I think I'm tapped out after episode two. Uh, Joe, what did you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed episode one. The all, I thought all the performances in it were really good. Uh, I, I, I didn't know about that guy playing, you know, kind of the quote unquote villain in this going in. He, he does play it very weird. Um, very, very whispery. Oh, Michael, Michael <laughs> so, Stuhlbarg. So it's kind of one note. I promise you, you've seen Michael Stuhlbarg and other things. He's like one yeah, of those, he's one of those, like in a lot of stuff, he's like that unspoken kind of actor. It's like you've seen this guy, you know, you've seen him. It's, and, and usually he's just fantastic. I, I, I was not impressed with him in this, but go ahead. I apologize. Well, that's okay. And I'm sure we're going to get more from him once that family gets drug into litigation. Maybe we'll, we'll get some more out of him and, and it'll be less, you know, just one note with him quietly talking in boardrooms or quietly talking on his cordless phone, <laughs> walking around his palatial house. Um, yeah, what an absolute piece of shit of, of a family. And it really just shows how, you know, how the disgusting links that, that money can drive people, especially if, if they find themselves in a position where we've invested a lot in this and if it doesn't work, we're sunk. And so then, you know, they make it work and, and, I've only been seeing the first episode so far, and it just feels like there's lots of corruption in play with, you know, with, with how OxyContin was even able to to get released, and with the label, and then, you know, essentially just taking this company at their word that oh yeah, less than one percent get addicted, and you know, it's there, there's so many. And Jake, you're right on the money that this takes you down a dark road. Um, it's. I, I feel like I'd be hard pressed to to think that there's many people in this country that if, you know, through however many degrees of separation, you don't know somebody in your life that was affected in a in a negative way by by Oxycontin. Um, I mean, that, I know people that, you know, they're at home and all of a sudden just knock, knock, knock. There's a knock on the door and it's, you know, be it relative or family friend. Oh, yeah, just in the neighborhood. I have to use your bathroom. And then after they leave, you find that all the pill bottles in your medicine cabinet are all knocked over and it's like oh yeah the only reason they stopped by was to see if they could steal painkillers from you and you know it's like that's those are true stories it happens all yeah. over the place and people get it on these things and and when it comes from a doctor it just makes it even 
even more insidious, you know, that it's supposed to be coming from a place. And these doctors, I think a lot of them, especially in the beginning, thought they were doing something good because, you know, they're following the medical journals that are all saying, yeah, so far, yeah, well, it seems you, to be okay. I thought the sales and, training seminar was insane. Oh, right? Oh, yeah. They really pressured the doctors into thinking they have to. It's like, oh, do you want your patients to feel pain? You know, are you are you going to let them suffer? And just that kind of like wording was just like, oh, my God. Well, they were telling them in like the sales training that do anything to get your foot in the door. Do anything to get we're going to give you personality uh, files on these doctors, what their likes, what they're like, you know, uh, you know, just anything to get their foot in the door. If the doctor needs to get laid, get the doctor laid is one of the things that this guy leading the seminar said to these salespeople that are going to be selling these drugs to these doctors. It's like just the the sales tactics were evil. Everything about this was evil. I couldn't believe that sales seminar. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. This is insane. That's yeah, pretty gross. I mean, these pretty mo- gross, especially when you consider the consequences of it. These movies that expose yeah. these these big companies and some of their wrongdoings, um, movies and shows, I, I think are pretty fascinating. The the one that I really liked was uh, Mark Ruffalo, where he played the lawyer that was looking in. Uh, it was uh, Dark Waters, the lawyer that was looking into the uh, the whole Teflon thing, and um, it's a fantastic movie. Um, Anne Hathaway's in it, Tim Robbins, Mark Ruffalo, fantastic. I, you know, I, I may get back to this one. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to get back to it, but, um, it's, uh, I feel like it's definitely good enough yeah. to get back to. For me, it's a high tasted as well. Um, I really liked it, but, but I had that same feeling of, oh man, cause there's some dark shit you see in this first episode because there's some time jumps in it. You know, where, where oh, yeah. you're seeing these people like pre addiction. And then like kind of on present day in the storyline, or maybe not even in present day, just like towards the beginning of the investigation or whatever, you know, then all of a sudden you see like the girl in the car yeah. sleeping and then the referee guy, the, you know, the, the FBI guy who was, you know, what was he like being a referee or something like that? And yeah. he goes and knocks on it and like yeah. she's reduced to like prostitution now and just looks fucking terrible. Yeah. And oh, and dude, that, that courtroom scene. Towards the beginning, this is in like with what, maybe the first five minutes or so where they're kind of talking to Michael Keaton's character and he just seems bewildered on the stand. And he says something to the effect of like, I I can't believe how many of how many of them died. Yeah. And it's just it's so sobering that I mean, that's what this show is going to be. And even though it is it is dark and, and it can produce these, you know, undesirable feelings, it's like. Things like this are important to, these stories, to shine these yeah. spotlights on things so that these people don't get away with it. Because unfortunately, if, if it seems to be true that if you do have enough money, you can bury these things. And I think the actual historical facts of this is that the Sacrifemi, they, they didn't really get held to the fire maybe as much as a lot of people think they should have. Um, I don't know the details of the specifics, like, you know, the, the specifics of the case and stuff, but I think they got off mostly scot-free. That's bullshit, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty disgusting. Yeah, but, I mean the performance. Yeah, the second episode's is... even more depressing. Trust me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I really don't dive too deep into like bummer content. So as much as I like this, I might not finish it just for that reason. I do. I'm a glutton for punishment. 
So uh, I like I like it sometimes. Sometimes just the I'm not in the right mood for whatever the like the theme is, just due to whatever current climate is going on. And I, this just lined up like that for me. I just yeah. maybe in a couple of years I can come back and check this out, but it's just too much for me right now. Gotcha. I went uh, I went to the theater. Was, oh, yeah, that's called Dope Sick, and it's on Hulu. And you can watch the first three episodes now and get super depressed as well. So <laughs> very weird seeing the twentieth uh, century presents again. I, I'm still I still double take every time I see that on any show. Yeah, <laughs> I I remember uh what was it? Going to the theater for the first time. It was that Will Phil Will Ferrell uh Julia Louise Dreyfus movie and it said Searchlight Pictures, not Fox Searchlight. I remember seeing <clears> that in the theater for the first time. I was just like, This is weird. Searchlight pictures? Weird. Um, I went to the theater and I saw, I caught it on the last showing. I, I was worried about seeing this movie because I'd heard some really weird things about like the body horror, some disgusting violence and, and really odd sex scenes in this movie. Uh, it's spelled T-I-T-N-E, T-I-T-A-N-E. And I guess it, it's, it's a French movie and it's pronounced Teton. And uh, it's about a woman who has a metal plate in her head and embarks on a bizarre journey. And uh, it's a body horror. It's a body. It's total body horror film, and um, written and directed by Julia DeCorna. And it stars Agatha, uh, Ag- Agatha Roussel in her feature film debut as Alexia, a woman who, after being injured in a car accident as a child, has a titanium plate fitted into her head. Uh, Vincent London, Grants Marillier, and Les Salama also star. And uh, I was worried about seeing this, so I actually reached out to a couple people that seen it. I reached out to Kova from the Scenic cast, and then uh, Melissa uh, Sloter uh, from uh, the Wild Pretty Things podcast, and I asked them, should I see this in the theater? And they both said, they both enjoyed the film kova still doesn't think he 100 percent understands it but he enjoyed it and uh melissa said it's a it's it's a wild film and uh it, it should be experienced in the theater so i i went on the last day i went for the last showing of this one before it left theaters because it's going to be out in vod soon and um this is a fucking weird movie um this girl, Alexia, at the beginning of the movie, she's annoying her father on this drive and she's sitting in the back and singing loud and the father keeps turning the music up to drown her out. Then she starts kicking his seat and then he turns around to kind of discipline her and then it, the car spirals out of control and crashes and she hits her head on the side of the car and so she has to, she has a skull injury, so they have to put this titanium plate into her head. And then we do kind of like this time jump into the future. Now she's a fucking, she's this, uh, a showgirl at these auto shows and she dances around these cars, but she's also a fucking serial killer. <laughs> yes. Um, and then later in the, in the movie, uh, she hears banging. She's taking a shower and she hears banging coming from a door and she opens the door and there's a car there and she gets in the car naked and 
I think she has sex with the car. Well, she 100% has sex with the car. I don't know how, but she has sex with the car. Okay. Then she fucking, here's the thing. She's somehow pregnant. From the car. Yes. Then it moves into like this whole story with this guy who, uh, lost his son 10 years earlier, uh, like a, a missing child and she, uh, fucking her serial killing gets her in trouble. So she's on the run now and she wants to change her appearance. And then she fools this guy into thinking that she's the missing son. And so she lives with this guy who's like a fireman. And then, yeah, dude, this movie is fucking nuts. Yeah. I will say, I will say, yeah, she's fucking, she gets pregnant from a car, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Is this a My Mother the Car prequel? No, it's not My Mother the Car. And if you're not familiar (laughs) with My Mother the Car, that was, uh, that was a show in the, Late fifties, early sixties, starring uh, Jerry Van Dyke, Dick Van Dyke's brother. Yeah, classically bad television show. Terrible sitcom. I was it, like, what? What was first? Was it Mr. Ed the Talking Horse, or was it the Talking Car? My mom, the car. I, I think Mr. Ed was first. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Could have been. I don't remember the Talking Car one. You know, Jerry Van Dyke got beat out for the role of. Uh, remember the remember Newhart. Do you remember like mm-hmm. the the handyman that they had there in the in the show? Jerry Van Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, Jerry Van Dyke went for that role and got beat out and it wasn't until Coach that he fucking finally got a big role that people remembered him for. I love I used to love Coach. I used to love Coach too. Yeah. Back to Teton. This movie is super fucked up, but you can't take your eyes off of it. And you're not going I don't feel like you're you I don't feel like you're going to get a, a grip on like what this movie's really about or, or anything like that. It's kind of like, uh, for me, I can't imagine, I can't imagine watching this as a child. It would be like, I, I remember when I was, well, when I was 12, I watched uh, a clockwork orange, the Stanley Kubrick movie. And I was like, what Ooh. the fuck? Yeah. I saw that at 12 fucking, I was just like, what the fuck am I watching? This is insane. I feel like a child watching this. This is like their Stanley Kubrick clockwork orange experience because this movie is absolutely bonkers and um it has to be seen to and there's and 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 there are scenes of of violence uncomfortable violence and there are scenes of uncomfortable sex um but uh i couldn't i couldn't take my eyes off of it and uh i was engaged the entire movie um I was expecting to come out of this movie and absolutely hate it and be like, that was fucking weird. I can't believe I watched it. I can't, I'll never be able to erase what I just saw from my brain. But on the flip side, I left the movie just kind of like, Oh my God, I'm glad I did see it. I don't a hundred percent understand what I just fucking watched, but my God, it held my fucking attention and anything could have happened next. And 
I like the whole time. I'm just one of the things I was I had to stick around for is like, when is she going to give birth? What the fuck is she going to give birth to? Is <laughs> right. it is a little Tonka truck going to come out of her vagina? What the fuck is going on here? Because it was power wheels, a little power wheels, <laughs> little, you know, little Hot Wheels comes out. Just it was wild, dude. This movie is wild. Um, I am going to. <laughs> I am going to Tupperware this movie, and it, this is one that I'm not going to say you're going to watch in Tupperware. Um, this is a watch at your own discretion. Watch at your own risk. I, I honestly feel like most people are going to watch this and be like, what the fuck was Brian smoking when he watched this and enjoyed it? Because I – there were – I can't tell you how many times in the, I saw it by myself. Nobody was in the theater with me. So that was also cool. So I got to react and say shit out loud. And uh, there, I was just sometimes I, I think I said in the theater 17 times, what the fuck out loud. <laughs> this movie's fucking wild. It's called, uh, Teton and, uh, it's maybe still out in theaters. Uh, if not, it's going to be on VOD very soon. And, uh, yeah, check it out. It's fucking weird. Joe, uh, Jake, I can't see you watching this ever. Oh, Teton? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, nothing you said sounded off-putting, but when you say that, it makes me scared. Yeah. Joe, give this a <laughs> watch. Yeah, it's on the streaming service and, you know, I, I I could potentially watch it. I'm intrigued. I I at least need to know what the hell she gives birth to. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's it's weird, man, because you're following a serial killer, and then it also has sweet tender moments at the very end. So it's 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 a bizarre fucking film. It is a bizarre film. Um, yeah. Uh, the movies that made us season three dropped on Netflix. I've been a huge fan of the made us series. Uh, the, uh, quote that made us series, like the toys that made us and, uh, the movies that made us. Um, so the movies that made us season three dropped on Netflix and it dropped with, I think eight episodes, uh, Halloween, Robocop, aliens. I think they, um, I thought they already did elf. Yeah, they just tacked on yeah. the two, the Christmas ones that they did to this season. Yeah. They're the same episode, so I actually clicked on them to make sure. Yeah, they did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and I think, didn't they do Friday the 13th? I haven't watched those yet. I'm, I'm saving the Halloween stuff for later on in the Halloween, Halloween season. Uh, and then they also did Coming to America. Um, I've watched the Halloween episode, the RoboCop episode, the Aliens episode, and I'm more than halfway through Coming to America. Um, have you guys been watching this? I watched the Halloween episode and the Friday the 13th episode. Yeah, I watched Halloween and Aliens. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, I think this is just more fantastic, uh, the movies that made us. Um, uh, I, I love the Halloween episode. Um, <clears throat> I, I love the focus that they gave to Deborah Hill in this, in, in the Halloween episode and uh you know it was nice you know we're gonna be talking about halloween kills but you know it's still nice to see her name up there you know um you know she's passed she's not with us anymore but she was just a, a, a such a huge influence on the on the female characters in the halloween movie so it was nice seeing her jake what did you think of the halloween episode 
Oh, I loved it. I I agree with you. This series is is great. There's never been an episode where there's not one little fact or one little tidbit that I had no idea about. And you know, even with movies like Halloween, I've I've read and listened to so much oh, yeah. about the making of that even that had stuff that I'd I'd never heard or seen before. Um, I I'd never heard the story about how they could only get three pumpkins in the entire movie. I, I had was- <laughs> I had heard about that's one that I had heard and I knew I I, I heard about that and I also knew that uh, Michael Myers was originally called the Shape. You know, I'd, yes, yes, I'd heard yes. that. I knew, I knew the shape stuff yeah. as well, but it was wild. I mean, one of those three pumpkins is the one that, you know, the kid falls on and they did that in one take because they only had three pumpkins and they didn't have another pumpkin to spare to try it again. So, um, I, it was really cool. I, I knew a lot about John Carpenter's background and beginning in filmmaking, but it was neat to see footage from the stuff that he did before Halloween. Um, I've never seen the original uh, attack on Precinct 13. Um, it was neat to see that footage and just how it came about and just what a tightly knit group of people worked on this first Halloween. It, it really says something. So, yeah, really fucking cool. I loved it. Tupperware. Joe, what would you think? Yeah, it was a Tupperware for me, too. And and a lot of the stuff, it was all new information to me. I hadn't really known that much about Halloween before watching this. And really, that's that's how a lot of these episodes go for me. And that's how, why I'm always looking forward to them is because I always learn all this stuff that, you know, I never really knew before. And I, I um, is John Carpenter, like, famous for, like, not, like, getting in on interviews and stuff like that? I was kind of expecting to almost see his take on it, but you know maybe another shit going on uh, i'm actually very surprised they weren't able to get carpenter they get directors but they don't get all the directors for the things that they do yeah john carpenter i wonder i mean he's he's a producer on the hollow the new halloween movies but yeah they didn't get him for this so he's not normally yeah. a very reclusive guy like yeah. you know yeah so. i love that yeah, they, I, they I talked really about it though oh you liked it good Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was this. Uh, it was a Tupperware for me, and I, uh, the the aliens episode as well. I really enjoyed that one. Oh, um, I can't God. wait for that one. <laughs> I oh man, yeah, they, so they spare no. They, they they really talk about what a dick um, uh, James Cameron can be. Like all that behind the scenes stuff for aliens was fantastic. I think here's the thing. I think James Cameron gets like a bad rap, you know, as far as. As especially lately with his comments about Wonder Woman and stuff like that, but there is no denying, and I think even the documentary talks about this that like he talked about how his mother was the was the creative kind of like push that he needed like it wasn't his father, it was his mother, and so when he was making these movies, he wanted to make strong female characters, and I think that there's I think he's done that. I think Ripley, oh, without a doubt, mm-hmm. Ripley. I mean, well, in the first Alien movie, she was written basically as as a, a male character, and uh, then they just kind of like filled it in with Sigourney Weaver. But like, I think he took it to another level in Aliens, and 
I loved how they talked about how he'd already done a treatment for a movie that he had in mind called Mother, where it was two mothers battling each other and protecting their young. And uh, that's exactly what this movie was. You had uh, Ripley protecting Newt and you had like the, the mama alien, the fucking queen uh, protecting her her aliens. And I fucking I I love that. I loved how they talked about Gail Ann Hurd because I think Gail Ann Hurd is amazing. I love what she's done in like, you know, The Walking Dead and, and everything that she's done. I think she's fantastic. And then I did not know in Aliens that fucking the original Hicks was not. Michael Bean, it was James Remar who Oh yeah. Fucking James Remar got busted while they were filming at Pinewood for doing drugs. He was taking like heroin and shit and he got busted so they had to kick him off. And they said it would have been a completely different movie with James Remar. He was a little bit more um uh I guess I'm not trying more animated and and what's the I can't remember the word that they used, but he wasn't as laid back as fucking Michael Bean's character of Hicks. And so it had been a completely different movie. I would love to see what they had filmed with him. I would love to see that because they filmed quite a bit apparently with James Remar. And I think he's a great actor, but he got clean after that. Um, I love Joe, the part where they're talking about, you know, we're talking about James Cameron being like a stickler to like, this is how I want my movie to look and pushing the crew and all this stuff. And they're, Filming, getting ready to film the scene where she's in like the power mech suit and she's battling, you know, the queen alien and they had to get the smoke just right in the set. And then all of a sudden, like the garage doors open up from the set and it's a woman showing up to give them a tea break. Because they're yes, filming in time. London. Yeah, it's tea time. And all the smoke starts leaving. I was just like, oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. I started dying. I thought that was super funny. <laughs> yeah, I love that because he had come from the um, uh, Roger Corman uh, kind of yeah with, with filmmaking, which was, you know, hey, you're going to work really long hours. You know, you're going to be working weekends. And so he kind of had this work mentality and then he goes over to England and they're like, no, <laughs> nobody's killing themselves to make your movie. And yes, we're going to take two breaks a day for tea because that's what the fuck we do. And yeah, and just with him kind of butting heads with that and then dealing with, you know, I mean, it's it's probably easy to, to look at the UK and just think, you know, oh, they're not that different. It's like, no, but it is a different culture. There's no fucking tea time. In America, but you know, for for them, that's a normal part of the day. And just seeing him struggle with that sort of stuff, and then it was also cool that Sigourney Weaver was kind of the one that extended that olive branch and got him and the crew back together. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, the RoboCop episode is fantastic. Uh, it's a wonder that the movie even got made. And uh, the fact that they got Paul Verhoeven to do it, and I thought it was interesting that uh, Nancy Allen. Uh, who was the, you know, the female officer in that movie. She, uh, she said that she, a lot of her friends said like, you're very feminine. And so, you know, how are you going to be playing like this tough female officer? Well, her dad was like a police officer. And so she had that going for her, but she said she wore men's underwear while filming to give her like this. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Give me that edge. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. The Robocop episode's fantastic. And then the Coming to America episode's really good. John Landis just comes off as a huge dick in interviews, in the interviews that they have him in. Like at the beginning, they're like, you know, they're wanting him to introduce himself and he thinks he's so fucking famous and above that. He's like, do all the directors do this? Like, you don't know who I am. I have to introduce myself. Oh my God. He comes off oh as a boy. huge, wow. he comes off as a huge dickhead. Um, very pompous, but, uh, I recommend that one too. I can't wait to finish all the other episodes, but I love the movies that made us. I love this series. Yeah, it's so good. I, I actually enjoyed the Friday the 13th episode even more than the Halloween episode, even though, like, as far as movies go, Halloween is by far the more superior movie. But it, it was just so interesting. It, it's a great back-to-back watch because they really acknowledge what a ripoff of the original Halloween Friday the 13th is. Mm. Like, the mandate was basically just do Halloween but make it gorier. Uh, and um, yeah. they talk a lot about that. It, it, very cool. It's neat to see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, gosh, I'm having a big brain fart, but who's the super famous special effects guy that worked with Raimi in Walking Dead and, um, uh, Greg, oh Nicotero. Greg Nicotero. Yeah, he's actually in, um, from Dust Till Dawn, Sex Machine. Oh, yeah. I, I know who you're talking about. Fuck, I love him too. I love him too. It's pissing me off that I don't know who the fuck he, I can't name him right now, but he, um, he did a lot of work on Friday the 13th and does a lot of the interviews uh, talking about how they do all those. Effects. Tom Savini. There you go. There you go. And, um, yeah, I just love Tom Savini. I love him so much. I couldn't even fucking remember his name, but, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was just really cool. I had no idea that he was so involved in a lot of the effects in that original Friday the 13th. So they got, and, uh, they got him in that episode. Yes. Oh fuck! I got. I love Tom Savini. Yeah, I gotta watch that. Yeah, I between the two, I I liked it even more, and I never would have guessed that was the case. I, I think it was just because I knew so much more about the backstory of Halloween, where Friday the Thirteenth. I'd seen it a few times, obviously, but I I just really didn't realize that it was just mandated as such a Halloween ripoff when they made it. I, I never made that connection. In the in the Halloween one, they were talking about John Carpenter's first movie from '74, uh, Dark Star, and uh, Brian Norrell was in that movie. And me and uh, Handy Greg interviewed Brian Norrell, and it was actually supposed to drop on a feed for Pop Culture Leftovers, but uh, he kept talking politics throughout the entire fucking interview. Oh no, I would love to hear that. Do you still have that? It's on the the Leftover Army feed. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, we we dropped it there on the leftover army feed, but I was not going to drop it on uh, the PCL feed because he <laughs> he was just he just kept bringing up politics, and I kept trying to like steer him away from that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we got to talk to Brian Norrell. So yeah, um, did you guys uh, get a chance to watch Vince Carter Legacy on Crackle? I did. Um, let me just start off by saying this. I, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. Love Michael Jordan, my favorite basketball player. I think he's the greatest player that ever lived. Um, but I will say this to the day that I die, unless somebody else comes along that's better. Vince Carter, bar none, in my opinion, was the best dunker. Slam dunks. This guy was the best 
there that 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 ever was that I remember I was watching I was watching the uh, slam dunk contest in 2000. I had a um, couple friends come over that night and they want me to go out and I was like guys it's it's the dunk contest it's the NBA All-Star games like it's NBA All-Star weekend. It's the dunk contest. Vince Carter. I'm not leaving. So they stuck around and they were watching it with me and they weren't basketball fans. But they were in, they were amazed at the Vince Carter dunks. I remember watching that night. I had never seen anything like it. Never seen dunks like this ever. And, uh, I had Vince Carter. I was a Bulls fan, but I had Vince Carter posters, posters in my room. I, uh, had a subscription to Slam Magazine, so they'd always have like the different posters in each magazine. And I had the poster of Vince Carter when he posterized Frederick Weiss, uh, the German player. Uh, in the Olympics when he dunked over the seven foot two German, Frederick Weiss, dunked over, like not dunked over him, he fucking jumped over his fucking goddamn head. And they showed this in the documentary. And I was just like, oh my God, like it was bringing back the flood of Vince Carter memories for me. And what a fantastic athlete and what a great fucking player he was. Like his, his years in Toronto, this guy was a fucking, he was amazing. And, um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, for me being a basketball fan, uh, I absolutely love this, but this is not like, this is one of those documentaries. I feel like if you're not a basketball fan, I'm not sure how much enjoyment you're going to get out of it. So, uh, it'll be interesting to hear. I know Jake, you're kind of a, you, you let, you enjoy basketball. Joe, I don't know if you, watch basketball ever got into it but it'll be interesting to hear what you guys thought about this i felt like this was catered more towards like the nba fan than it was like watching the you know the the docuseries the last dance or because like that has so much drama in it i don't feel like you even have to be a sports fan to get into that shit so i want to know what you guys thought about vince carter legacy on crackle joe actually i'm gonna start with you jake yeah, I liked it quite a lot. It was a very high taste it for me. Um, I agree. It wasn't as fascinating as the last few basketball docs we've watched, like, you know, the Malice in the Palace or uh, I forget what the Netflix one was called, but about the, the point shaving and the gambling. That's um, bad you know, sport. There Okay, yeah, there wasn't anything scandalous going on here. In fact, it was quite the opposite of that. Um, just a very interesting, fascinating career. Um, I, I agree with Brian. Um I love the dunk stuff. In fact, my favorite part of the whole movie was him going dunk by dunk in his very first slam dunk contest and him just talking about, you know, why he decided to do each dunk that he did, the feelings he was feeling before he did them. Um, you know, he wanted to make that first dunk just fucking boom. You know, he, he said normally people would kind of warm up to it, but he didn't want any of that warm up stuff. He wanted to show everyone what he was working with right away. And yeah, I mean, people were saying you might as well stop the slam dunk contest now after he did his first dunk. And I, I was just cracking up at that. Yeah. Um, Kenny Smith can fuck off with his fucking nine. 
too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was hilarious. Yeah. I loved the line about be careful when you play Vince. You don't want to end up on the poster as the guy getting dunked on. And I I never really considered that in like the <laughs> the Michael Jordan posters or the Vince Carter posters that someone has to be like immortalized. As oh, dude, guy. with with Jordan, it was always Craig Elo for the uh, for the for, who played with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Craig Elo. <laughs> Craig Elo got posterized more than anybody by Jordan. Like he was posterized all the time, but Frederick Vice, that motherfucker, when he got posterized by, posterized by Vince, this guy's seven foot two, and Vince jumped over the dude's head. Unbelievable, oh. and that was an Olympic game too, which made yes. it even more fucking awesome. Um, I love that for him that he he got to like have so many like childhood fantasies come true. I loved his relationship with um, Jules Irving. Um, yeah, th- this was great. I I didn't expect. I agree that. It's a lot more friendly if you're very familiar with the NBA. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was very confused with the inner workings of the draft. And I didn't even understand what any of that meant when it, it like how they traded him and how that worked. And, that happens. A, that happens a lot on draft night where, where, where there's basically they'll, they'll, somebody will draft a player and then, um, then they'll immediately trade and it comes with like cash considerations and stuff like that. So the other team gets a little bit more cash and that way they can free up some more cap space so that they can sign a player. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it was wild. I mean, it doesn't take away from your enjoyment. Um, it was very cool. They obviously knew they were going to do that from the jump because they told Vince not deep. They're like, stay right there. <laughs> we're we're going to need you again in just one second. So yeah, this, this was very good. Um, you know, I complained about this the last time we watched a Crackle show. Um, the service is so annoying with the commercials, but it wasn't that bad with the Vince Carter. I think it only interrupted me three times. It wasn't as obnoxious as the uh, Nintendo playing with power dock, where it was just the most unnatural pauses in the middle of a sentence sometimes during that show. Um, yeah, I, Crackle was a lot more enjoyable watching this movie. Guy played uh, 22 seasons, and it was, it was nice for me because I – I didn't get to see his last game. All I remember is last year when this was going down, I was just like, oh, fuck, man. You know, 43-year-old Vince Carter, his last season is a fucking during COVID. And so, I mean, he planned on playing the whole season with Atlanta. He's a veteran to these young guys. I really liked how they showed him in that final game. And the crowd chanting his name for him to play, and they kind of knew that it was going to be the last game that Vince would play in. And the young guys giving up the ball, giving Vince a shot at the three-pointer. And I really appreciated that. That really kind of put a cap on his career. And uh, and I loved uh, the, the point that they made, that he just wanted to be a basketball player. It wasn't about, like... Being, he wanted at one time, he kept, he kept having to change the focus of like who he was. At one point, he was like, not just the cornerstone, he was the franchise player for Toronto. And then when he goes to fucking, you know, San Antonio, was it, um, yeah, was it San Antonio? They were talking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. Excuse me. Dallas Mavericks. When he went to Dallas, he was like, I want to be the best six man I can be. And uh, then he was just like, I'm going to be a six man. You know, I'm going to study guys like Manu Ginobili and stuff like that. I'm going to be the best six man I can be. And then by the end of his career, he's just like, I just want to play basketball and fucking teach these young guys 
you know, how to be better, better ball players. And I, I love that about him. I, I, you know, there's, I, I never hated Vince Carter and I hated Tracy McGrady. I hated his teammate because Tracy McGrady, they kept talking about how he went to Orlando, left, left Toronto to go to Orlando. He, he fucking had the bulls thinking that he was going to go to Chicago for the longest time too. That motherfucker, he fuck, he, every, I, I went, I went to a bulls. Uh, Orlando Magic game and the Bulls beat him that night and I was every time he got his fucking hand on the ball I was booing fucking T Mac I can't stand T Mac anyway Joe what did you think about uh, Vince Carter legacy I really enjoyed it and you know you were saying you weren't sure how accessible it'd be to to somebody who's not an NBA fan um I didn't know who Vince Carter was before I watched this <laughs> that's how much of an NBA fan I am I you know I I, I know nothing about it. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a really interesting movie. I, I'd give it a high taste it. Uh, for me not knowing anything about it, um, I was expecting to be pretty checked out within 10 minutes, just knowing like, oh, okay, it's a sports ball thing. Okay. But it was really, really engaging. And dude, I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't know that, that he was like this fucking slam dunk wizard. So that part of, of the doc, when it got to there, I was like totally engrossed in it. It was so amazing. I didn't know he jumped over a seven foot tall dude and dunked before. So it was the first time I ever saw that. Um, yeah, I, I had all my Vince Carter firsts with this and, and it was really, really engaging start to finish. And, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. I was watching that, that Frederick Vice game. I was watching that live on TV when he did that. And I fucking, I just, I lost my shit. I, I'll, and I'll never <laughs> forget that dunk contest either. That dunk contest is like, I, and I love Jordan, but Jordan, Jordan's the best player to ever play the game, in my opinion, ever. But when it comes down to dunking, Vince Carter's got it. That guy, dude, the, when that, that, that final dunk, I'll never forget it. When he fucking just hung off the rim, he had his whole arm in the fucking hoop and he's just hanging off the rim. I'm just like, my God, never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it. He barely knew what he was going to do either, which was so fascinating. I, I believe that was the one where he had the partner and he just kind of told his partner just, yeah. just bounce the ball towards him. And his partner was fucking T-Mac, motherfucker. Anyway, <laughs> you know, they didn't even talk about this in the, in the documentary. I think they're cousins in real life, him and T-Mac. They're related. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I loved it. It was very good. He, he was, he came across so likable too. He seemed like such a great guy. He's a Absolutely. really good dude. Vince Carter, fucking half man, half amazing. I fucking, that guy was, I had that poster, half man, half amazing in my room. Incredible basketball player. Incredible basketball player. Um, yeah, I give it a Tupperware. I, I, I fucking loved it. So if you're a basketball fan, this is a must watch and you can watch it for free on Crackle. Um, Halloween kills. This dropped in the theater, uh, this week. It's the follow up to, uh, David Gordon Green and, uh, Danny McBride's Halloween. From 2018, the nightmare isn't over as unstoppable killer Michael Myers escapes from Laurie Strode's trap to continue his ritual bloodbath. Injured and taken to the hospital, Laurie fights through the pain as she inspires residents of Haddonfield to rise up against Myers. Taking matters into their own hands, the Strode women and the other survivors form a vigilant, vigilante mob to hunt down Michael and end his reign of terror once and for all. Um, 
directed by David Gordon Green, and it's a it's the twelfth installment in the Halloween franchise. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis, James Jude Courtney, um, uh, Judy Greer, Andy Matichak, Will Patton. Uh, also, they're joined by newcomers Anthony Michael Hall, Thomas Mann. And yeah, um, I loved the first Halloween. This is not as good at all. And I feel like it was, I feel like we're getting Halloween, Halloween ends, I think like next year, which is the final. I feel like the movie should have been Halloween and then Halloween ends like kills can, pretty much fuck off in my opinion. I love the Michael Myers stuff though. I, I, I think it's just like the, the, some of the other characters that are in this movie, the townspeople, this whole mob mentality of killing Michael Myers gets a little over the top and stupid at points. I think, you know, honestly, I think Anthony Michael Hall's character I, is pretty hilarious in this movie so hilarious in this movie and over the top that you didn't need some of the other characters that are actually meant for comic relief um but i think the michael i think the michael myers scenes are great the kills are are good it's just not the first movie at all like and i'm not talking about halloween 70 i'm talking about the 2018 movie it's not that movie at all and i feel like they should have just done a time jump and got us to Halloween ends and they just totally could have not done this movie. Um, that being said, I'm just going to give it a taste it. Um, because, and the only reason I'm giving it a taste it is because I enjoyed the Michael Myers scenes. All the, there's just so many goddamn flashbacks in this movie. (laughs) There's so many flashbacks in this movie that, that introduce new characters that are supposed to actually be like old characters from 1978 that it really takes away from your enjoyment of this movie trying to explain who all these new characters are that should be there. And I think it kind of takes away from like the ending of the original Halloween by at, by, by adding all this padding and adding all this bullshit and there's not a lot of Jamie Lee Curtis at all to the point where it's like, why have this movie and just let's do a time jump to where like she's all healed up from like the events of the first Halloween. I was so excited for this movie because I was like, Oh my God, it takes place right after the events of the 2018 film. And it turned out to be to the detriment of this film, in all honesty, watching it. And, um, yeah, I did not enjoy this film. The the only things I did enjoy were the, what were Michael Myers, his kills, his, the, the fact, you know, like there, there, that, you know, when he kills somebody, he, you, know, you see him kind of like tilt the head, look at him. And some of the kills were interesting. You know, the slasher aspect to this was cool. But, man, so much fucking forced backstory and flashbacks that I was just like, 
Jesus Christ. And then they went into like this, they went into comic relief characters that I didn't need. Um, so it's a taste it. And I'm sure that like, if I watched it again, it might even be a low taste it. that maybe the fact that I did see this in the theater and the fact that I didn't see this at home, if I watch this at home, it might be a fucking low taste it to toss it. But I watched it with a fun audience. And for the most part, from what I could hear from my audience is that they enjoyed it. I just left knowing that I did not enjoy it as much as, as Halloween 2018. So, <sighs> yeah. Jake, what did you think about Halloween Kills? Yeah, man. Once again, I'm pretty lock and step with you. It was a taste it for me as well. It was, it was really shocking. It's like the exact same creative team as the last movie, but just in almost every aspect, it seemed like a step down. Like the, the cinematography wasn't there. I, I didn't think any of the kills were like any cooler or filmed any better than they were in the first movie. I, I think a little bit less is more when it comes to this kind of thing. I, I It was interesting watching the movies that make us and them talking about like how few kills were actually in the movie. I, I thought it was a little bit of a detriment in how scary this movie was with just how many kills there were. I, I thought this thing could have been like almost 20, 30 minutes shorter than it was and just, just cut some of the needless fact. I, I thought him killing the 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 couple that had the drone that were next door to his house was all just like those characters they weren't related to the original movie they weren't related to the original victims they were just happened to be next door so it just seemed like a waste of time just spending so much time him stalking and and killing them very slowly um it had one of the neater kills in the movie with the uh, the fluorescent bulb yeah but, I yeah mean, mm. Other than that, it just seems so needless. I was really annoyed at how inept everyone in this movie was. I'm from the police to the hospital workers to all the characters. I I felt like everyone was just so fucking stupid with all the decisions they made. Uh, no one knew how to fucking fire a gun properly. It made no sense to me that the best person with a firearm was the the granddaughter of Laurie Strode. Like, how was that the fucking case? Like, yeah. it just made no fucking sense whatsoever. She and her mom specifically didn't put her through what Laurie put her through. Like, it would make sense if, you know, Judy Greer's Karen character was just a master of the shotgun. We kind of know mm -hmm. the trauma that her mom put her through. But the other daughter, you know, the granddaughter wasn't put through any of this shit. But for some reason, she's by far the most proficient with the firearm of anyone in this entire, entire movie. Um, it's just so many choices don't make sense. Anthony Michael Hall's character just preaches about how they can win this if they all stay together. He started off great. I loved the whole bar scene where he's talking yeah. about that night. I felt like that was – I felt – for a small town and for survivors from the original thing and for him to get up on that night and say what he said, I was like, this, I like this. I do like this. And then his character just devolved into fucking crap from there. Yeah, it was, it, he was one of the more frustrating characters in the movie. The whole um, hospital riot scene yes. made me feel uncomfortable, Ugh. but not in a, in a fun way. It was yeah. just, I was uncomfortable because the decisions and the choices just made no sense whatsoever. I also thought there was some really wonky editing in the hospital riot scene. Um, Judy Greer like takes a break from chasing the guy to go check in on her mom. 
she leaves checking her mom, then all of a sudden she's the front runner to being able to catch up with this guy that everyone's chasing. Like, does she know all the master Wile E. Coyote shortcuts in this hospital? Like, it was just <laughs> some really wonky editing. Like, she took yeah. this giant pause to have this giant conversation with her mom and then just resumes the chase and is the front runner in the chase. Like, it, I... There's just a lot of this movie takes a lot for granted, I think, and just doesn't like treat its audience like they're a very smart audience. I feel like it's dumbed down and I, I didn't like that. It, like, don't tell me that you think I'm stupid movie. And I felt like this movie was constantly like assuming that I was a moron. And I, I found it a little bit insulting in that way. The- um, I agree that without the theatrical experience, it, it probably would have been worse. It, yeah. It's fun to hoot and holler with everyone. It's fun to, oh my God. And there was definitely plenty of, this movie is way grosser than the first Halloween movie. That That's a fact. Um, but and just one more thing, I like the first movie had so many cool kills with the cinematography, and I thought this movie kind of relied on the same trick too many times. It was constantly the POV of the person getting stabbed in the head by Michael Myers, and then the camera lingering on that POV for an extra three seconds. It was cool the first time it happened with the guy shooting the hose of water at Michael Myers. Another just complete moron of a character Let, let's just shoot this stream of water the entire time he's walking towards me but then after that it was like they just did the same trick another half a dozen times with that pov stabbed in the face stuff and i just didn't think it was in any way as imaginative as the first one was when it came to direction this was highly disappointing and i also yeah. thought knowing that halloween ends was right around the corner really took away from a lot of the suspense to whether or not Michael Myers was going to get defeated. Yeah. This movie feels like a, it feels like a filler film and the easiest watch for me was going back, you know, this week and watching the first Halloween again to prep myself for this. But it's going to be a chore to watch Halloween Kills again right before Halloween ends comes out. I'll be honest. Honestly, with you. I honestly don't think you even need to. Yeah, I, I, I won't. Yeah, yeah. And then, why is Will Patton in this movie? I love the actor, but why? Why? <laughs> you know, and and then uh, I, I could I could continue to complain. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just kind of stopped. Like, I, yeah. I could tell you about every <laughs> character in this movie and complain about at least one decision they made. I did think it was like uh, you know watching Halloween right before I saw this one. Um, they have like the the couple that's dressed as the nurse and doctor in this movie. They're actually in the in the Halloween 2018 film. They're getting in their car, getting ready to leave to go to that bar. And he accidentally leaves his stethoscope inside the house and goes back in to get it. And then in this movie, he accidentally leaves his stethoscope inside the bar and has to go back and get it. And I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. Not enough to save this film, but that was... No. Yeah. The one the one thing I noticed like that is I thought it was fun that uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character backed up the uh, peyote story that the uh, dad in the first movie was telling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Joe, Dude, I I had the exact same experience that you guys did. I was so excited going into this because I loved the 2018 one. It was so great. I felt like it really reinvigorated the franchise, and so I couldn't wait to see what they're going to do with this one. And it was it was just. It just felt so unnecessary. And 
Um, I, I did like like stylistically how they made the flashbacks look because it kind of had that feel from the 78. Like, a, um, I, I feel like they kind of nailed the costumes and stuff and all that. But I mean, so much of this movie, I mean, Halloween Kills is such an apt title because I mean, that's all it is. It's just if you turn this into a drinking game, like, holy shit, they're going to have to put, pump your stomach when you're done. There's just so much killing in this movie. It's wild. Um, and, and some of the, the leaps that it makes you take as a viewer, I feel like you have to sus- suspend your disbelief like way too much. Like, and, and it's, I feel like with some of the dialogue, especially coming from Laurie Strode at the end, that they're really setting this up that, that Michael is, you know, perhaps more than a man or, or, or something along that. Cause it's like, I, I can't see how, how, <laughs> how he's still alive and walking around. Uh, it's just it, it, it takes so much punishment in this, and J- Jake, you hit the nail on the head when you're like, "There's so many inept people that it's like, how how I, I don't know. You, you got to be pretty special to bring a gun to a knife fight and lose. <laughs> <laughs> That's all oh. I'm gonna say. <laughs> oh boy, yeah this this was unfortunate. It was hard to believe. I actually went on to IMDb after watching this to verify that it was the exact same team that did the last movie it felt like the last movie made a bunch of money and the team was like well go ahead and make another one but we're we're gonna move on to something else like i i was like there's no way this could be the same director cinematographer writer it it was very shocking to me that it was all the exact same people I'm yeah, hoping. I think they'd have been better served just jumping right to Halloween ends. I agree. Yes, a hundred percent. Like, give me. Let's do a time jump. Let's get Lori back. Um, I mean, you know, if if gore and just incredibly bloody kills and like that sort of slasher stuff is really your thing, this movie's going to do it for you. But but if 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 you're going in because you love the plot and you want to see how this one's going to carry the plot forward, you're probably going to be a little disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, it's upsetting because I loved that. I loved, um, I loved what they did. I loved what they did in 2018, you know, and, um, God damn it. They're, they're, it's suffering from like what they did the first time in the franchise. So, uh. yeah, I, a bit of overexposure just on Michael Myers too. I think that's what made the original movie and the 2018 movie so good was there's just so much like, is he going to be there? Is he going to be there? Where is he going to pop out? Where is he going to pop yeah. out? And this movie, he's just like all over. He's like, I'm done hiding in the shadows. I'm just going to be in every frame of this fucking movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the burnt mask did look very creepy, though. I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Have you seen real quick? Have you seen a lot of uh, people are upset about Michael Myers killing so many first responders in that opening scene? No, I there's like a big petition to take that part out of the movie because what? people are like, oh, you shouldn't punish first responders like that. And it's like, it's a horror. It's a horror movie. film. Terrible things are going to happen to good people. Yes. So, uh, it's a horror <laughs> film. Like, and that's the thing. It's like, uh, I, that's what I thought was interesting about that scene is like in any, in any other movie, like you're, you're, you're definitely rooting for like the firemen to show up and like put out the fire. But it's fucking Michael Myers. And, you know, what's wild about that scene is he's killing the people that are trying to, like, basically, you know, save him and save the house. And, yeah, it's a fucking horror movie, people. 
Yeah, Get over yeah. it. I'd be more upset about how inept they made the first responders seem than the fact that they got killed. I don't see anyone mentioning that and they're and they're being upset. It's more that <laughs> that they all got murdered. It's like, well, I'd be more upset that they wrote them all to be dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh Buried on Showtime. This is the last thing in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Buried on Showtime. It's a four-part docu-series. I knew nothing about this, and it sounds like like it fucking sweep the nation. But like in the in the you know basically like in the early nineties, and I was a kid. I was probably watching fucking cartoons and shit. So it's uh it's based on a it's it's a docu series it's a murder of eight year old Susan Nason has gone unsolved for twenty years until one day in nineteen eighty nine Her childhood friend Eileen Franklin suddenly recalls that she had been a witness to the crime and that the murderer was her own father, George Franklin, so she had like this repressed memory, so it was such a traumatic experience she she's saying that she watched her father kill her childhood best friend and it didn't come back to her until later on in her life. She repressed this memory. It was so traumatic that it, that she repressed it. She couldn't remember it. And then one day she's looking at her daughter who was around the same age of Susan Nason when she, when she, when she was murdered and her daughter, her, she looked so much like her friend Susan that she remembered. She just started having all these memories flooding back of of her father being the one that killed Susan Nason. And Joe, I know you've watched the first episode. I've watched all four. Jake, how many episodes did you watch? Uh, I just had time for the first one on this so far. This is one that you need to finish because I don't think that I'll be honest with you. Like the first episode, um, I don't think you really start to get a grip on like what's actually going on in this until you watch the second episode and then even the third and the fourth. Because after the first episode, I am 100% sold that the father fucking murdered her. And then more, more evidence and more things come out about this. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the end of this, I'm a hundred percent convinced that Eileen Franklin and her sisters were trying to pin their father on this murder. Do I think that these girls growing up had a horrible childhood and were possibly, um, raped by their father and did their father have a lot of problems? Yes. Do I think that their father murdered eight-year-old Susan Nason? I don't. So, yeah, everybody can come to their own conclusion, but I think you have to watch the full docu-series to to really understand kind of like what's going on here. Eileen Franklin, Jake, by the second episode, you find out that she's, she's oh, man, I, I don't want to spoil it. It... I, I would give this the highest of taste-its at the end of it, but um, I think you have to watch the full thing to really to understand what's going on here and try to understand, like, the psyche of, like, this Eileen Franklin and, and what's 
what's going on yeah i didn't see that twist coming until you until you said it but now that you say it it like all kind of adds up like she's just so measured and professional in all her like news media appearances that they show even in the first episode they get to the point in this docuseries that they made like a a tv movie about her story and shelly long from cheers plays her in a movie and I mean, she made, I mean, she made some money, I'm sure, off of this. And, and she had a lot of people that, I mean, this whole repressed memory stuff, I, oh, it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. A lot of this, you'd have, you have to watch this to, to, to kind of like understand that I don't think there was, I don't, th- I don't think that there was a repressed memory as far as her remembering her father killing young Susan Nason. I, and she gets caught in some lies in this. So it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting docuseries. I think all four parts kind of serve a purpose and you can, you can come to your own conclusion at the end of this one. Joe, what did you think about Buried? Yeah, the first episode was just riveting. Uh, the, the whole repressed memory angle of it is a really sensational topic. I've never seen, you know, I mean, outside of fiction, I, I'd never seen anything about it. So I was immediately hooked on it. I mean, despite just how absolutely atrocious the crime was, and, and I can't imagine what those parents had to have gone through with their daughter being missing for that long. And then, you know, and then her body's found and, and this stuff comes to light and then it's, you know, the weeks drag on to months to years and, and the killer's never brought to light. And then all of a sudden, 20 years later, you know, the, this woman re- has this repressed memory that, that surfaces. And, um, it, yeah, dude, as far as that first episode goes, I was absolutely convinced, you know, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. And also with all the little mannerisms in the smile or in the, in the trial, the way that he'd sit there and kind of smile to himself a little bit was really disturbing. Sure. Um, yeah. It, and I also thought that that her composure on the stand was – it's like she was like as polished as like a news anchor in, in times. You know, it's uh-huh. – it, and so it did make it a little bit weird. But it's also – it's like who who am I to judge somebody talking about something like that? But I don't know. Knowing that it's just the four and, and all four of those episodes are out, I'm definitely going to be finishing this because I want to know – Yes. You know, what, what direction it goes. But – but man, they make no bones about painting that dad as a real piece of shit in the first episode. He is a piece of shit. At the end of the day, I still believe he's a piece of shit. Do I think that he killed eight-year-old Susan Nason? No, I don't. Someone did. And I do think that Eileen Franklin lied about it. But, and, and here's the thing. It's like, do I think that he should be in jail? Yes, I think he should be in jail for other things that he did. But I think like <clears throat> there's probably somebody else out there that did kill eight-year-old Susan Nason, and that person needs to be brought to justice if they're not already dead. And so um, I do think that Eileen Franklin did you, – you got to watch this, but I come to the conclusion that Eileen Franklin did lie. So there's – after the first episode, I was 100% sold that he did it. But yeah, there's a little bit more to this repressed memory than – than just what they talk about in the in the first episode. I don't think, even though George Franklin's a piece of shit, I don't think that 
certain evidence was brought into the trial. I don't think that he got a fair trial. And um, I, that's so fucked up to say because I do think that this guy is fucked up. I think he should be in prison for other reasons, but I don't think that he killed this eight-year-old Susan Nason. Yeah, you just really have to watch this four-part docuseries, and I think most people will come to the same conclusion after they see it. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's a high taste it for me, and it's on Showtime. So if you have Showtime, I highly recommend watching Buried. We're going to take a break, and we'll be— oh, I want to rate it. Yeah, go for it. And yeah, it was a high taste for me as well. I didn't realize it was only going to be four episodes, so that really makes me want to go ahead and finish it. Um, I thought the first episode had a great ending, too. Like, I, I was really wanting to see the next episode just on how it ended. Um, I had no idea about any of this before watching it, just as you, Brian. Yeah. And just the whole topic of repressed memories is very fascinating to me. The, the fact that this is the very first court case or, you know, at least big one that actually used repressed memories as a means to try to sentence someone and, you know, pin the guilt on someone. Very, very fascinating. Yeah. It seems like that defense was kind of unraveling at the end of the first episode. So I'm very curious to see where that goes to and if they actually do convict the father for this crime. And yeah, yeah, four episodes. This, this is a very easy, breezy watch. I mean, the material is very heavy, that's for sure. Yeah. But it's very fast paced. Like the time flew, just flew by watching this. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll definitely, I'll definitely be finishing this one up. I would finish it. I think it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm also not going to lie. I get very claustrophobic when I watch stuff sometimes. And when I saw this on the list and it was called buried, I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to. No, this is not the, this is, <laughs> this is not was, the, the Ryan Reynolds movie. I was very relieved to find out it was about repressed memories and not me feeling claustrophobic watching someone get buried alive. You know what I'm pissed off is that that fucking it's limited release right now. Have you guys seen? I saw this. I I saw the trailer for a movie last week. I can't remember which movie I went to see, but they showed a trailer for a movie called The Rescue. It's a National Geographic documentary film. It's based on a true story. It's from the Academy Award winning free solo filmmakers. And it's about uh, the 2018 daring rescue of 12 boys and their coach from deep inside a flooded cave in northern Thailand. And it's about – so basically like they they think that these boys are dead in this in this cave that's been flooded. And so they send like these divers in there. And dude, I'm watching this fucking trailer and I'm just like, holy shit, they're showing this footage. And then they show these divers pop up out of the water. This is a lot. This is real footage. And you're looking at all these boys in this fucking cave surrounded by water. No way for them to dive and get out of there. The the, the swim is just too long. They would die. And they show all these boys in there. And now they got to figure out now that they found them. And they sent Navy SEALs in there, but they actually found, I think they found just like the divers that found them are just like recreational divers that found them. Oh my God. And so now it's like, how do we get these boys back? How do we get them out of this cave? And I've got to see this. It was limited release. And the closest theater to me to see this was like in St. Louis. They, they showed it on, uh, the, 8th and then on the 15th which was yesterday 
And so now I've got to wait for this movie to come out like on National Geographic or, or, you know, maybe it'll be on Disney Plus soon. But my God, this, this looks like an incredible documentary. Oh my God. I was blown away by the trailer. Watch the trailer for the rescue. And if you, if, if you watch that trailer and if you have no desire to watch this film, you're out of your mind. It just, you, you, I, I just, even though I feel like I know what's going to happen at the end, all the boys are going to be saved, blah, blah, blah. I got to watch this. Same thing with Free Solo. It's not like they fucking did a documentary on Alex Hanold and he fucking, we're going to watch him fall off the fucking mountain. <laughs> I gotta watch this. I gotta this. You got you guys. When you get get a chance, do a search for uh, the rescue. Watch this trailer. I was just like, I gotta watch this. Yeah. And then I was just like, fuck! I gotta drive two two and a half hours to watch this movie. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Anything Jimmy Chin is involved with, it's worth watching his stuff because that guy lives an adventurous life. Yeah. He's got such an eye for capturing it. Yeah, he does. He does. I I liked what he did in. Uh, in uh free solo fantastic movie if you haven't watched free solo watch free solo so good it's so good have you ever watched any of the real rock stuff no i haven't Real like r-e-e-l rock every year they do a real rock film tour Uh and it's by like that's kind of where jimmy chin got his start was was submitting stuff to that and so it's all these different outdoor filmmakers and then every year, Real Rock, they're on like volume like 20 now or something like that. Um, but every year, it's all these short films about, you know, outdoor extreme sports and stuff like that all put together. And um, yeah, Jimmy Chin stuff is always in there. And I mean, there's a lot of footage, a lot of films to delve through with it. So if you if you ever, you know, flipping through anything, um, I think there's a free app you can get called Red Bull TV. And they actually made like a, a TV series out of it where it has some real rock stuff like stuff actually from previous ones and then i think new footage as well on it but there's actual real rock films you can get and then like a, a series that's on red bull tv but you know if i know you've liked free solo and yeah. some of this other stuff so yeah check that out sometime if you ever got um you know if you ever see it and you're flipping through stuff very cool yeah yeah fuck um joe i know you drink Rockstar energy drinks yeah, like every day. You know, I'm they got what it's doing to my kidneys. They got bought out by Pepsi and they changed the flavor of all their drinks. Yeah, I noticed the Rockstar almost has like a weird like cherry flavor to it now. It's it's definitely like a weird fruitiness to it. I'm done with Rockstar. Fuck Rockstar. <laughs> I've been when I go to the store, I try and pick through and find the older looking cans. Yeah, because I'm like, this is gonna taste normal. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be on eBay in a few weeks. <laughs> they changed that OG recipe. <laughs> they changed the formula, Jake. It's bullshit. So now I'm just I'm drinking Zions. I'm drinking the Zions mango guava, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I get it. I get. It. I'm not a rock star guy, but I mean, oh my god, if they made Red Bull taste different, I would be like just besides myself. I hate it. <laughs> Pepsi does this. They'll fucking, they'll buy out these energy drinks. Then they'll either change the formula or they'll just make the fucking drink for a while and then just cancel it all together. It was fucking, uh, no fear used to have an energy drink. Remember no fear, Jake? I do. Yeah. No fear. The t-shirts and shit. They had an energy drink and it was my favorite energy drink. Then Pepsi bought it and then they stopped making it. Fuck you, Pepsi. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, and Pepsi's energy drinks are fucking disgusting. Like kickstart and amp and all that shit. Yeah. I'm drinking the new Mountain Dew energy drinks. That's yeah, that's one of the, that's the Kickstart, right? Yeah, they got one. It's like a it's like a pineapple one. I like it. Pineapple orange or whatever. Yeah, something like that. 
Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to just get myself back to it's like if I want a beverage with caffeine in it, I'll just have a coffee. And so I, I, I've kind of weaned myself off of like I Rockstar isn't on the grocery list anymore, at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so upsetting. It's so fucking upsetting. They changed the oh, formula. Just I've had issues out. for the last four days where my left eye won't stop twitching. And so, like, I did the worst thing imaginable. I, I Googled what the problem is, and I'm like, oh, this is not a good idea. It's going to tell me I'm dying in, like, eight different ways. And yeah. it's like the top three reasons for why your eye could be twitching are, A, you're not getting enough sleep, B, you're under stress, and C, you drink too much caffeine. And I'm like, where's the fucking D, all of the above choice for this? <laughs> <laughs> I hate, oh dude, that happens to me every once in a while where my eye just starts fucking twitching. It's either my left eye or sometimes my right eye. I'm just waiting for the day where it's both eyes and I just fucking explode. Oh yeah, it's my left eye. And I mean, it was to the point when I was driving earlier today where I was like, do I need to fucking pull over and like flush my eyes out with water? Cause this is like the sun was beaming down into it. So it's just going twitch fucking crazy. Oh my, oh my God, I'm fucking over it. Yeah. I'm so, I, I wonder if like, can people see your eye twitching? Like when your eye is twi- twitching and you're talking to someone, do they see your eye just like gyrating like fucking Elvis Presley? Yeah, they probably could, but most people are cowards and don't make eye contact when they talk to you anyway. So <laughs> you're probably getting away with it. That's true. Let's take a quick break from this fascinating energy drink talk. And, yes, and sorry. <laughs> I thought my twitching eye was a little bit related, so oh. it was energy drink adjacent. <laughs> I know. They should just come out with an energy drink called Twitching Eye. That's a great idea. You should edit this part out of the podcast. I know. And, uh, we'll get on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People that would uh, people would love to drink an energy drink that makes your eye fucking twitch. Yeah, <laughs> let's just call it Twitch. I think that's the name. Oh, that's already the streaming service. Never mind. <laughs> we can call it eye twerk. I like it. I like it. Eye twerk. Eye twerk. This episode's dumb. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with the pop culture leftovers news. I'm looking for some confirmation from you guys. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh yes, yes, yes. I thought we'd already <laughs> stopped. I'm sorry. No, I was. Uh, <laughs> Yes, news. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> now we can end this segment. Thank you, gentlemen. Fucking old school. Damn. These beats are so fresh. Snap. Hey, we are back. Hey, Jake, uh, if there's ever a compilation of like best moments of PCL, uh, I bet the, the one where we're talking about energy drinks is sure to be on it. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Fans were clamoring for that conversation. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. When are they, when are they going to talk about energy drink for, formulas? <laughs> surprised it took us that long we we had to have had an energy drink talk in the past i'm sure we have but nothing that riveting sir no no that was the best it's ever been yeah no rep- no repressed memories when it comes to energy drink talk <laughs> no, not yet at least oh my god all right really guys. lined up on the episode where you're doing the the energy bumper drop 
Energy. Oh my god. <laughs> Where is that one? I think I have it still. Hold on. Where is it? Oh, I can't find it. I know it's on here somewhere. I love just all the random noises there. It sounds right? like fucking Phantom of the Opera. Hold on. Maybe it's this one. Maybe it's this one. That's not it. Oh my god. There's your rock star replacement, that bumper. Yeah, oh my god. Better than the new formula. Oh my god, every time you drink a swig of an energy drink, that should play. It's the energy echo that gets me every time on that bumper. That energy G. I like the central energy at the end. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not enough just to say energy. You got to leave it energy. She's then she's like, all right, I've done my job here. Yeah, I feel like she's coming down from the energy on that last. She one. is a little bit, yeah. That's when you need another hit. Energy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone was placing bets that we'd ever bring that back. Right? I yeah, I totally forgot about the energy bumper until Joe brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's been living in my heart for a while. <laughs> it's really special. Well, there's certain things that like people like want us to like bring back, and I'm just like, uh, no, these are not mainstays. That was a one. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a one time thing. This is not Saturday Night Live where we keep like reliving the same sketch every fucking week. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't do we don't do sequel bits too often. Yeah, not too often. I'm I'm not a fan of sequel bits. It's always a what's the next new thing? What's the next new thing with PCLJ, Joe? That's what we're. You, that, don't, you don't have a stairway to heaven. People <laughs> just expect you to bust out. No, <laughs> nothing like that, man. It's all it's all new experimental shit going on on PCL. <laughs> <laughs> we're like chemists, podcast chemists. Yes, we are. <laughs> I would say we're alchemists. We turn shit into gold, Jake. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, let's see here. Let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Yeah, it's gangster as fuck, yo. Yo, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Pretty gangster this week. Um, not really. Uh, news from Dark Horizons. Uh, AMC has handed out a formal series order for the episodic anthology series Tales from the Walking of uh, Tales of the Walking Dead. Uh, six self-contained hour-long episodes have been ordered and will focus on new and established characters in the larger world of the series. This marks the third spinoff of the Walking Dead franchise following Fear the Walking Dead and the limited series Walking Dead World Beyond. An untitled Norman Reedus, Melissa McBride-led spinoff from showrunner Angela Kang is also on the way, but that won't launch until 2023. 
Uh, Channing Powell will serve as uh, showrunner and work alongside franchise content chief Scott M. Gemple on the series, which will go into early production uh, next year for a summer 2022 de- debut. Um, I'm not against this. Uh, just a six-hour, uh, six self-contained hour-long episodes uh, anthology series. Tales from Walking Dead. It might just be like, oh, I loved episode one. Eh, episode two is okay. Episode three, eh, whatever. I loved episode four. You know, it, who knows? It's just going to be six different stories. Uh, interesting that they said uh, established characters might be showing up in this. So, but uh, yeah, I'll watch it. I, I will watch this one. I'll watch it at least for the first episode and see what I think. But outside of the main Walking Dead, I am not watching Fear. I'm not watching World Beyond. Just a little too much for me, but uh, I'll give this a shot. Check it out. We'll see. It's just an anthology series. Might be some interesting stories. It might suck. Who knows? Yeah, it'd be cool if they did a zombie POV episode. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah, I mean, when you said the title, that's what I honestly, that's what I thought you were you were saying, especially when you said it was like a limited thing and it's called Tales of the Walking Dead. I thought we were actually going to get like, you know, some some zombie emotions. I don't want zombie emotions. <laughs> I just want no. I just want my zombies to go around wanting to eat people's brains. That's all I need. Yeah, you're just a simple man. I'm a simple man. <laughs> I don't. Make- I, was, no, I, I I don't think you're a simple man. I was just making comments. You said, I, you, Brian, you're a simpleton. Um, no, you're a simple man. You want simple things. Just zombies eating brains. I think. Honestly, I think like that's what everyone should want from their zombie stuff. I, a zombie point of view is just like, that's not, I don't think, I, I, I think if you're a zombie fan, I don't think we really care about like what we're, what they're seeing on their end as far as like what they're feeling. I feel like, I feel like once you become a zombie, like you're dead, what's left is just like electrical synapses of the brain that just make you like want to eat other humans. I don't think that there's any feeling or emotion that's left. I think there you're just, you're dead behind the eyes and what's left is just like electrical synapses and you need to eat human flesh and blood and brains in order to sustain your existence. I don't need to know anything other than that. As far as like the, the POV of the zombie, that might be interesting. But I still don't think I need it. It'd be no, interesting I, for like a shot or two. I could yeah. imagine like a, a full episode length of that. It could be kind of interesting though, depending how it's done. I've never thought of that before, Jake. It's a pretty intriguing yeah, just, idea. Just it is. doing it once for 45 minutes. Like I think it would be way too much to have like a series, but yeah. I don't know. Like just the description of that show seemed like the perfect outlet to give that a shot one time. If you had the right person that could show us the right things that we need to see in that episode, that would be cool. I, th- I, Honestly, I think you are onto something, Jake. If we could get a 45-minute episode of following this one walker around, and it maybe... the fast ones, too. Well, I think it would it'd be, have to be fast. Well, hold on. Let me explain this. Well, the fast ones, now we're not, now we're not in the Kirkman series. <laughs> now we're not... I, as far as the, like, as far as, like, what Jake's saying, I think, like, maybe it would be interesting if they came out with four episodes of this 
Tales of the Walking Dead, and maybe one of these episodes featured that same zombie. And we saw that zombie killed in that episode. But then we get a, you know, let's say we get to the fifth episode, fourth episode, it doesn't matter. But we get to another episode where we were watching the POV of this zombie. And then we somehow realize that the zombie that we're following is a zombie that we've seen in a previous episode. And then we watch that lights out moment where it gets stabbed through the brain. Screen goes to black and that's the end of the episode. That might be interesting if they did that, Jake. Yeah, I was thinking along the same lines. I was thinking a really cool twist would be that at the end you find out that the zombie you're in the POV of is a, a zombie that kills like from a famous moment of the show, like one of, one of the more main characters. You know, that would be cool. And you're never going to see that zombie because you're seeing the you're seeing it through the POV of that zombie, and it's not like zombies check themselves in the mirror. You know, so yeah, we're not knowing. They can't see themselves in the mirror anyway. Nah, that's vampires. My bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jake. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, so much vampire shit. So yeah, a Walking Dead anthology series is on its way. I'll give it a chance. I'll give it a chance. Can't promise you that I'll finish it, but I will give it a shot. And I really have been enjoying. Um, uh, what we've seen from season 11 so far in The Walking Dead. And I know a lot of people have dropped off that show, but, uh, season 11 has, has been really good. It's coming back. Uh, they had, they had like the mid-season finale. Uh, it's coming back in February of next year. Uh, news from Dark Horizons. I literally just saw this before we started recording, so I have not had a chance to really read the article, but I did some digging on this and haven't even read the article. So let me bring this up. Ancient Romans seen on Indiana Jones five set. Have you guys seen this? Mm-mm. No new photos from the Sicily set of the currently filming fifth Indiana Jones movie have showcased something unexpected extras dressed as ancient Romans. The photos up at the Daily Mail show show Harrison Ford and co-star Phoebe Waller-Bridge on set in Italy as Ford's Indiana Jones is seen wearing a parachute and is pulled out of a ditch by Waller-Bridge's character. The photos also show a large boat packed with over a dozen men dressed in Roman garb, manning the oars, and later donning Roman battle gear ahead of filming scenes in which they... They, which they charged with swords in the air. Before the shots hit, an online r- rumor suggested the film's action will partially take place in various eras in the past, which has led to the natural question, is Indy 5 a time travel movie? Is, <laughs> is, it simply, is it simply for flashback scenes tied to the film's MacGuffin? Is he taking on hostile cosplayers? Uh, while the film starts off in the U.S. in the 1960s, shooting in the U.K. confirmed that at least part of the film unfolds during World War II with a younger Indiana. After three months of recovery from a shoulder injury, Ford returned to work last week and was seen shooting scenes with Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, yeah, James Mangold is the director. It's uh, targeting a film date release of July 29th of next year. And uh, any guesses on why the fuck we're seeing ancient Romans 
Swords. Charging <laughs> with swords in the air. Maybe they're on a movie set? Ooh, I hadn't thought of that one. Mm, I, 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 was, I was thinking either time travel, like they, they find like some, like some, something like Atlantis or something like that, where it's like a hidden civilization. There was p- people stuck in the past or, um, or yeah, flashbacks. Yeah. The, the first two seem like really out there. Flashback seems like the most palatable or what Jake seems like pretty good too. If it's something like that. Yeah. There's a, there's a ton of, uh, of, uh, Indiana Jones books that were written after the, after the movies came out and uh of course there was the Indiana Jones TV series Young Indiana Jones and which I still think should be canon Jake and if James Mangold kills off the character I will be a little bit pissed because by the time you get to the Indiana Jones Chronicles uh Indiana Jones and he Harrison Ford does show up in that series um Indiana Jones has an eye patch in that series, and he's 93 years old. So yeah, Indiana Jones should survive this movie if uh, Indiana Jones Chronicles is canon. But uh, there's been tons of books uh, released about Indiana Jones and some of the other adventures that he's been on. Um, and in one of those books, uh, in 1945, Indiana Jones and his father search for the Spear of Longinus. The fabled Spear of Destiny used by Roman soldier Longinus to lance the side of a crucified Christ, though it went back further to Celtic Ireland. And so, yeah, there's a whole story about uh, the the Nazis wanting to get a hold of this spear that uh, when the spear is displayed at the tip of the spear, it still it still bleeds blood Um I don't know if, but, but apparently there are ancient Romans that are, that are a part of that story. I'd have to, I'd have to dig more into that, but, um, maybe it's a flashback scene. Have we seen flashback scenes in Indiana Jones other than like full episodes of like, the only flashback scene I can yes. think of is the last crusade when we're showing like the origin of the hat and his fear of snakes and, and, yeah. All that. That's the one I was going to cite. Yeah, but like a flashback as far as like not Indiana Jones lifetime, but Indiana, like basically like ancient Rome. Well, what if it's going to be something like if they are going after the Spear of Destiny? Um, remember in Last Crusade, there was kind of like that secret society that protected the Grail. Maybe there's like a, a secret Roman society that is protecting the Spear. I thought of that as well, Joe. Like I, it, it made me think of like the... Um, not the secret society, but it made me think of like the the ancient um, guardian of the Grail that that he meets. But yeah, the the secret the the secret society that was trying to keep Jones, you know, when they had that whole boat chase. Yeah, yeah. or even like in the Mummy, there was that secret society that kind of watched over um, uh, that city in the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. I still like what Jake said about the movie. That 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 makes more sense. Like if they were to do that. Yeah, I mean Indiana Jones kind of is that. You know, it's that serial action show. You could easily see like that kind of thing being incorporated, sure. right? Sure. Like, yeah. A, a big scuffle on a movie set. It yeah. Feels very Spielberg to me. 
Yeah, well, Spielberg's not involved in this. Well, yeah, but surely they're going to homage, like, his style, you know? We'll see. It's it's James Mangold. So, I, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that Spielberg's choices in the, in the, in the, um, what is it, the, the Lost Kingdom? Was that what it was called? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Yeah, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, Your name is way better. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of decisions that that he made in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that even Lucas didn't agree with. That, in hindsight, Lucas was right. <laughs> like, somebody should have fucking told Spielberg, you know, let's let's not do this you know let's 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 you know so i'm hoping that i'm hoping that james mangold can kind of like return indiana jones i don't know man he's so fucking old he's 80 years old i mean this is James Mangold has his work cut out for him in this one i i mean it from the macguffin to you know, and it's like, I didn't even have like a huge problem with the alien stuff, I think up until like the very end of the movie. Me neither. I actually don't even have a problem with the, the aliens or the end. Those are not my issues with that movie. So uh, my issues are just, uh, it's just not as good, you know, like the, the, side characters are really fucking blase and it's just he's so old so the action just isn't as cool and I thought the aliens was one of the more interesting parts of the movie and he's old he, he's in his 60s and I mean he was working out in the gym three hours a day to get ready for this and I you know I think it really I think it really comes down to some of the some of the choices that they made as far as, you know, there's the whole, you know, monkeys swinging through the vine scene, which is ridiculous. Oh. The, the fact that like one waterfall is not enough that they have to go through three waterfalls. And it's like, that's ridiculous. Um, the ants are ridiculous. Um, for as much as I love Kate Blanchett, like, is she like this, psychically gifted character or is that bullshit i it, there's there's all these weird things surrounding the plot of that movie that just um the atomic explosion that he survives from getting into a refrigerator is complete bullshit um <laughs> you know there's just a lot of stuff wrong with that movie and I'm, I don't know. James Mangold, I think he's a, a brilliant director. I loved Ford versus Ferrari. I loved Logan. And like, he's working with an older Wolverine in that movie, but you know, fucking Hugh Jackman is, you know, in his, you know, forties doing that movie. He's not fucking or fifties or whatever. I don't know how old he is, but he's not, he's not fucking 80. I'll say that much. And, um, this is, this is, oh god. Oh my god. Like, as far as like, The Last Crusade, I would, I would say that The Last Crusade is the best movie 
out of that, the third movie, which is insane. It's, it's, it's aged the best. Yeah. My Ray- favorite used to be Temple of Doom. Oh God. Man, when I've you're a kid adult now and it's like, Oh my God. It's almost the most annoying of the yeah. three. Yeah. Yeah. No, like it's, it's, it's between Raiders and, and the last crusade. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think last crusade is just a little bit more fun of a movie, not to take anything away from Raiders. And it has lots of super classic moments, especially the whole opening sequence of, of Raiders is, is absolutely classic. Yeah. But overall, I, I think last crusade is, is a little bit more fun of a movie. And also, I mean, Sean Connery playing his dad. Yeah. And, and the, the opening scene in that scene, Indy is a kid. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the ending's iconic. It, it, it's both hilarious and like gripping, intense. Yeah, the, this... and the action sequence when he's on the fucking tank. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so good. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they should have. <sighs> I was always hoping that they would have done like another Indiana Jones in the nineties. But it just never happened. I think by the time we got to 2008, I, and I, I, I don't blame, I don't blame Lucas. I actually blame a lot of the problems on that film with, uh, with Spielberg. And the funny thing is, is that they used, they filmed it on film. Like it's all on film. They wanted it to look like the other Indiana Jones movies. So it was filmed on film. It wasn't digital. And it's still like, once you get to like the CG star, the, the, the CG parts in that movie, they just, they look awful. And, oh, it, it's just, it's just a wreck of a fucking film. There's certain characters that I don't need at all. Like, who is his, who is like his buddy at the beginning of that movie that turned up? Was it Mac? Like, that character did not yeah. need to be in the film at all. That character was such a waste of a character. They didn't need that character in the movie at all. He's like with them at the beginning. He betrays Indy, but then he's like throughout the entire film, that character, you're with that character throughout the entire film. And it's like, why is this character still here? It would be like if Alfred Molina's character from Raiders of the Lost Ark was the, it was in the entire movie. It just didn't make sense. Uh, there's so many problems with that fucking movie. Um, yeah. It's trash. <laughs> Dude, I, I revisited it since that last time we brought it up and I said something positive and got dogpiled on. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't good. When you said that this, it really falls apart at the CGI scenes, 100%. It's it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 like, I feel terrible like trashing on a, an indie movie, but I was like, oh, yeah, this is one of those things where, yeah, the internet and, and <laughs> the popular opinion on this one was right. It wasn't as... As good as is my not that my memory portrayed it to be good, but I just didn't want to drag it, and it's totally worth it. When I when I watched it the first time, like I didn't want to believe it was that bad. Like I left, and I was like, I did not want to believe that it was that bad. I would not accept it. And then I watched it again, and I'm like, it, this is bad. And I felt the same way about <laughs> it. Was the same thing for Phantom Menace with me. Like when I left the theater after Phantom Menace, I was like, did I not like that? How could I not like that? <laughs> and then, oh, God. That's how I was with Rise of Skywalker. It took me a while to come around and realize, no, this is shit. You were just way too into Star Wars canon at the time that you watched it. I can and, see that. And, yeah. and you wanted yeah. it to be good so bad. And then 
by the time it came out on digital and I bought it, I've still never rewatched the entire thing because I can't get through it. I can't go I'll, back. I'll I can't start it and just be like, fuck this. I can't even watch The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi because The Rise of Skywalker was so bad, in my opinion. Yeah, because it feels like, what's the point? What's you know the what fucking point? Towards. Yeah. yeah. You know you know what the final chapter is. Dumb. Oh, they just, like, ugh. And God, you know what? I feel I'm jealous of the people that enjoy that movie even now. If you loved The Rise of Skywalker, I'm jealous of your experience. Don't be mad at me for hating it. Fucking be thankful that you like that fucking piece of shit. Be thankful that you enjoyed a crappy movie. That you watched a turd and you're like, oh my god, I love that. Because like, that's the capper. That's the capper. That's the end of it. That, like, that's it. Like, that's the story. That's the Skywalker legacy. You loved the Skywalker legacy. Like, I started out as a child watching the Star Wars movies, and I loved them. And then, uh, you know, uh, uh, Force Awakens come out, and I loved it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a return to form. Oh, my God, Star Wars is back. Thank you. Thank you, Star Wars. Thank you, Star Wars gods. Oh, my God. And then I... And then I love the last Jedi. Not, Even worse, thank you, J.J. Abrams. Thank you, yeah, thank you, J.J. Abrams. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for this bounty. It was like Thanksgiving. Thank you for this bounty, J.J. Abrams. He <laughs> gave us this fucking cornucopia of fucking goodness, and I fucking loved it. And then I get the I get the last Jedi, and I fucking hated it. And I, well, when I first watched it, I gave it a taste. It when we rated it, but since then, it's just like I tossed that movie. It's absolute garbage. You're talking about Rise of Skywalker. Oh, Rise of Skywalker, excuse me. I absolutely toss it. I think it's terrible. And, uh, if you enjoy, if you watched it and you enjoyed it and you still enjoy it, God bless you. God bless you for loving crap. Oh my God, I wish I could love crap. I wish I could love garbage. I wish I could just fucking, I wish I loved that movie, Jake, cause like that's the end of a, that's the end of an era right there with that movie. I mean, yeah, to it's walk- unfortunate how much they shit the bed on that final movie. I mean, oh my god. Yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. But if you loved it, more power to you. Don't be mad at me for hating it. Don't be because you loved it. You got the ultimate experience. You loved crap. You love crap. Good for you. Have either of you guys watched uh, Visions yet? No, I haven't watched it. Ooh, I watched that first one, The Duel. That yeah. was. Oh, it blew me away. I, I watched, just loved it. I've watched the whole series. It's the, the a giant Tupperware for me. It is so fantastic. Oh, my gosh. It's it's one of my favorite Star Wars things I've ever seen. Okay, I should watch this then. Yeah, it's so fucking good. It's so fucking good that they officially said it's not canon. It's too good for canon. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, they said it's not going to be canon? No, they, they've officially said that it's not canon, that it's just artistic interpretations of different moments in star wars that aren't are not canon dude that that dual one was great i mean it's basically what the mandalorian started out as you know it's just a really really interesting story that's just taking place in the star wars universe it's not necessarily connected to anything but it has all these elements and stuff in it that is is stuff you've seen and stuff that you you know of especially if you're a huge star wars fan uh, I, I for whatever reason I just haven't gotten to, back to the rest of it yet. But man, the duel really did it for me. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, and every episode is so radically different than the other ones. Like the next episode couldn't be further from the duel as far as like thematics and emotions, but it's just so fucking cool. I 
it's like the liquid television of Star Wars projects. It's just so fucking out there, and you never know what you're going to get from each episode. And I, I pray that we'll get a season two because it's fucking awesome. It it honestly single handedly kind of rejuvenated my love for Star Wars and the property. Nice, Have nice. You, I'll check out the rest of it then. Jake, did you ever read uh, Star Wars, the comic book Star Wars Tales? Yes, I did. Do you, did that- you? Did you ever read the Star Wars Tales? It's Star Wars Tales number 20, and it's the Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yes, I have. (laughs) That is the most fucked up Star Wars story I've ever fucking read, ever. Do you remember it? I'm trying to. His dad, it's about his dad. And his dad, like Jar Jar is a fuck up even as a kid. And his dad fucking tries to like, Jar Jar is just fucking, he gets them fucking stranded on an island. And his dad, once they're stranded on this island, Jar Jar is like, I'm going to make a swim for it off this island and try to get us rescued. And his dad knows that if Jar Jar fucking swims off the island, he'll never make it. And his dad is just like, yeah, go for it. Like, his dad wants him to die. Yikes. And then his mom, Jar Jar's mom, is like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And she's like, you know. And then it gets to the point where there's a point where his dad is going to shoot himself, commit suicide. This isn't a Star Wars comic. I'm not even kidding you. His dad is going to commit suicide, and his mom is like, don't do it. Think about your son. And as soon as he thinks about Jar Jar, he fucking, that's when he fucking pulls the trigger. (laughs) And it like, it like grazes him and it doesn't kill him. But yeah, he tries to kill himself because he can't stand his son. His son is that much of an embarrassment. It is a fucked up, it's at the story's called George R. Binks, which is the name of his father. Yeah, I'm saving that issue on uh, on Marvel Unlimited. Um, Yeah, Star Wars Tales was really cool because a lot of the times it was like really like the most famous indie comic book people were involved in the writing and drawing of that. And yeah, very, very much like Visions. It was like kind of this non-canon anything goes. Let these indie writers take a crack at just kind of having fun in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I'm okay. I found it. StarWarsFandom.com. It's the story called George R. Binks on the seas of Naboo. George R. Binks of the Binks and Son Whaling Company attempts to take down a whale. However, the irresponsibility and clumsiness of his son Jar Jar causes their ship to founder, uh, and the Binkses to be marooned on a desert deserted island a month goes by and george is driven to madness by his son's follies when jar jar proposes to swim for the mainland george eagerly agrees knowing that he will not likely make it however his wife intervenes george unable to take anymore decides to shoot himself his wife's attempts to stop him asking him to quote think of our son only causes him to pull the trigger however the bullet merely grazes his skull 
As he lies there, he reminisces of his love, Shibla, and how she chose not to marry her because she could not bear him, the son he wanted. As he imagines seeing Shibla standing before him, the hallucinations clears to reveal that it is really Jar Jar with an octopus wrapped around his head. George's only response is crushing <laughs> despair. That is a fucking comic book, Joe. Yeah, I'm actually scrolling through the art. It. The art is amazing for it. it. It's really crazy. I also find it hilarious how uh, Jar Jar's dad just talks like a normal person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like trying to escape the whale, and the father's like, take the wheel, boy, hold her steady. And the next panel shows Jar Jar going, na, 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 woohoo, hee, just spinning the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hilarious wow. that the father's name is George and the creator is George Lucas. Yeah. I love the R, the George R. Banks. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, uh, I think this comic came out in 2004. Yeah, it's really crazy. There's a panel where his father like has the gun to his head. Yeah. This is the one of the darkest Star Wars <laughs> stories ever. I keep- I can't believe it's actually a Star Wars story. It's, it's fucking mind blowing. It was from yeah, Dark. It, it I'm was sending a- you. A, I'm sending you a page of this. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> it's from Dark Horse Comics, and it and uh, it, so it's not canon, but uh, yeah, so it's part of the expanded universe. But yeah, this is like you know, this is like this is in reaction to like fans not enjoying Jar Jar Binks, and uh, this is what they came up with. Yeah, it's a crazy fucking story. Yeah, that was a really cool comic book. It was. It had a real heavy metal feel to it. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, each each issue had, like, multiple stories in it, you know, probably, like, five or six stories, and, yeah. So, um... Think of your son, Blam! <laughs> I know. <laughs> Best page out of a comic I've ever seen. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? this issue. Yeah, uh, Star Wars Tales number 20, if you want to read this story. It's only 10 pages. Oh. It's oh, on Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> That's incredible. I can't believe that's a real thing. It's a real fucking thing, yeah. Dude, if that had been a two truths, one lie, I'd have said that's a lie. That's not a real fucking thing. <laughs> I can't think, I, seriously, I, I want to thank, uh, um, you know, everybody that's, uh, that's a Patreon that we, we started doing two truths, one lie on, um, on our Patreon episodes. And it's been a lot of fun doing that with you and Paul, Joe. I agree. Yeah. And I think the, I think the listeners that have been, uh, catching those episodes have enjoyed them quite a bit. So I don't want to speak for them. Maybe they hate them, Joe. Maybe they fucking think they suck. I don't know. <laughs> I know that game is fun as hell to play, though. It is. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, the, the deliberating process is what I enjoy the most. Like yeah. brainstorming with another person and be like, all right, let's go over the details of these and, and and try and figure out which one is the most outlandish. And I don't know, that last episode, you and Paul really both brought it with stories that was like, it was hard to figure out which one was the lie. <laughs> oh, man. It's yeah, I love it. I love doing it. I'll have to think of like I, I want to do it again. I just got to think of like some new stories that we can bring up. So I definitely want to do it again. I've had a blast doing those with you guys. Nice. Um, let's jump into Marvel news. Uh, 
terrible news. Hey, Jake, Joe, have you guys heard of, uh, have you heard of, uh, Shreddies? It's, Mm-mm. it's, no. it, it's flatulence filtering underwear. <laughs> Shreddies flatulence. This has nothing to do with Marvel news. We'll get to it. Chill out. Shreddies. Yeah, this sounds more like DC news. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shreddies flatulence. Filtering underwear is the perfect way to treat flatulence issues. Our range of garments feature an activated... This is not a sponsor, everybody. Don't worry. Feature an activated carbon lining that absorbs all flatulence odors. And they've had like a uh, a, a different... They've had flatulence jeans, flatulence pajamas, flatulence underwear, and now they have flatulence bed sheets. So you can fart. You can fart. And not worry anymore. You can just like... It's like five layers of armor at that point. Holy shit. <laughs> it's like fucking... Yeah. Think about that. Let's think about that. You're wearing your flatulence underwear while in the in your bed. Your flatulence fucking bed sheets. And it absorbs... That company is like, oh, really, really hates the thought of somebody doing a Dutch oven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking sin. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, we, someone did it to me in college. It wasn't fun. I'm, mil- I'm making a product, <laughs> or maybe it's the other way around that they're trying to create the perfect Dutch oven. Imagine, <laughs> just imagine the confidence that you would have, though, out in public with flatulent <laughs> underwear on. Combined you with never have to worry about it. never have to worry. I? Just drop ass. I was in the movie theater the other day. Had to drop ass. Couldn't do it. Didn't want to. Didn't want to disrupt everybody. But now, now it's just like, whatever, fuck it. Let's just do this. Let's rock it. All right. All right. Let's make my butthole whistle. Let's do this. You just rip a really loud one. People look at it and you're like, it's cool. I'm wearing my shreddies. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's like with that, let's say they should have like a, they should have like an asshole silencer. They have them for guns. Don't you think that they should have like an asshole silencer so that people can't hear your fart? Something to like, bury the scream of your butthole oh Um, yeah that's what i thought shreddies was gonna do no it's just the smell it's just the smell Uh, dude (laughs) there's somebody in shreddies r&d right now furiously taking notes yeah i have no need for shreddies then I, i thought it was gonna take the sound away i don't know man mine can get pretty fucking foul yeah, I, I'm loud. I, I, I'm all bark, but no bite. <laughs> <laughs> mine are like, you know, like if, like sometimes mine are like, you know, like, uh, I, I can fart and then like, it's like, you know, like birds could fall from the tree. Like they're dead. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like you've lived on like dark beer and sauerkraut for a week. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, 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 and so yeah, maybe sh- uh, you know maybe I should invest in some shreddies. Not the worst idea. <laughs> it is really one of those things that it's it's more you buy it for the people around you. Yeah, I'll be, so I'll much, be right? coming over in a week for episode four hundred. Get on that shreddies thing, no, oh, dude. You act like I'm going to be dropping ass during four hundred the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I hate recording live and in person with Brian because he just drops butt the entire time. <laughs> thank God he's thank God he's wearing his shreddy Skype now. 
Yeah. Oh, you see. Oh, believe me, we've we've had some burping and farting stuff going on in PCL. Hey, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I look over episode four hundred. I look over at Jake's smile, and I'm just like, yeah, this moment is brought to you by Shreddies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I famously farted on PCL. Yes, you so. did. There's an episode where you can hear Jake fart. <laughs> 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 I actually, I actually pulled that audio and I fucking like, I amplified it and I would play it in future episodes every once in a while. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> fucking Jane is fucking wooden chairs. <laughs> I remember exactly what you, I think I said something like, or you said thoughts and then all of a sudden like you went. <laughs> no, you asked me what my thoughts were. Yeah. Thoughts you and then you, thoughts and I said I thoughts and you dropped ass. <laughs> <laughs> so so far on PCL we've had somebody fall asleep on an episode and we've had one of the co-hosts drop ass on an episode yeah man no no mute button when you're all in the same room together that's an unfortunate aspect of that people wonder is PCL scripted no Jake did not script that fucking fart I can tell you that no, much no no I could never write that good <laughs> really bring it to the next level and incorporate a fart mic <laughs> uh, let's see here. Marvel News. What do we got here for the old? James Gunn confirmed on James Gunn. Why am I saying it like that? Chip? <laughs> James Gunn. James Gunn confirmed on Twitter that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three will take place now in the MC, MCU. What does he mean by now, Jake? Does he mean like in the current MCU timeline? He doesn't mean like twenty. 2022 does he mean 2024 that's currently like where hawkeye is going to be right yes yes that's what he means and i think the only reason he's making this distinction is because the previous guardians of the galaxy movies um, yeah. kind of took place outside of the mcu timeline that was currently happening didn't well didn't the first one take place in 2014 and then the second one play take place Wait. The second one took place immediately after the first one, and that's where it deviated from the MCU timeline. Like, if you're watching yeah, movies yeah. in the order that they happen, right. you watch Guardians 1 and 2 back-to-back. -back. Yeah, because, like, it was 2014 for the first one, correct? And then 2014 mm -hmm. for the second one, but we're, up by, we're at 2017 by the second one. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. I think that's right. We could be wrong. Who knows? Uh, but he confirmed that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will take place now in the MCU and that, and that will be evident by Groot growing through some major growth since the last time we saw the character. Um, we, we still don't know how, uh, know much about the plot of the third Guardians film other than it will be filmed simultaneously along with the first ever MCU holiday special, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Something that James Gunn says you will need to watch prior to the events of Volume 3. It's in canon. This is his quotes. It's in canon. It's about the Guardians. You're going to learn stuff that you need to learn before Volume 3. And it's great. I'm really happy with it. Um, I'm going to film it at the same time as the movie. I'm using a lot of the same sets. The same actors, obviously. So we're filming simultaneously with the film but it's gonna have to be edited and finished sooner so um yeah uh taking place now in the mcu so yeah groot um 
not teenage Groot anymore. Uh, Jake, are we looking at a, a full adult Groot? Are we going to look at a Groot that looks more like the Groot that we saw in the first Guardians film? I would think so. That's kind of what I was thinking when you were reading that news, that we're, we're back to just normal Groot. Yeah. And what do you think, Joe? Well, you know, Groot was one of the ones who came back after the blip, right? And if this is present day, then it's not that much time. I mean, how much time has passed since the blip in present day? Five years. No, I mean, since everybody actually came back. Oh, since everybody came back. Well, the blip came, uh, the blip happened in 2023. You're talking about a matter of months though, right? And so we're in 2024. Maybe 2024. Yeah, 2024. So yeah, we're talking about maybe a year. Yeah, so that, I mean that should only be about a year's worth of gro- of growth for Groot. Yeah, but we don't know. That's what, a good point. What about his What about his uh, his race? He's the last of his race. That's a good point. We don't I mean, know how they. Know, we age. don't have an expectation for how fast they grow. Yeah, because like, I would think they would grow slowly though. Like if he, he's a tree creature, if it's anything like a real tree, like they they age very slowly, right? Yeah, I mean, so I guess. How much time passed between Guardians 2 when he was just a little guy and then Infinity War where he's, you know, like the young teenager. So it's quite a bit bigger. That was a few years, right? And so now you're just talking about a matter of months. So it was quite a few years though because we were just talking about how one and two take place back to back. So Infinity War basically takes place. Yeah, but he was a fucking, he was a fucking, he was a fucking baby in the second one. Yeah, so he did quite a bit of growing in between the second one and Infinity War, and then he was blipped for, you know, the four or five, or snapped for the four or five years, and then he came back, and now it's been maybe less than a year, so how much yeah. growing is he going to do in that Last sort of Last we saw him, he was a teenager in Infinity War, so... Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the expert. I cannot tell you about, like, how his, his race <laughs> ages. So I can it seems tell you. to me that he's going to be bigger than the last time we saw him, but maybe not as big as the first time we saw him. Yeah. 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 He says major growth or like, I don't know if that was his quote, but like, that's what, that's what they're, that's what I got from the article is like, he's, 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 he's going to look different. So I was, I was hoping for elderly Groot that would like need a pair of shreddies or something. <laughs> oh yeah. He just got like, you know, he's got loose bowels. Sometimes he like, you know, Fucking shit some moss out of his ass or whatever. <laughs> Dropping sap everywhere. Dropping sap. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Rocket stepping in it and just start screaming. Uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This comes from Deadline. Will, fe- uh, will Poulter to play Adam Warlock in uh, the next installment of the uh, Marvel franchise. So, yeah, Will Poulter. Most recently, we talked about him in uh, the Dope Sick on uh, on Hulu. He's going to be Adam Warlock. Uh, the character was first teased in a post-credit scene of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, um, when Aisha, played by Elizabeth Debicki, unveils to her chambermaid the perfect sovereign she was she has created to help destroy the Guardians once and for all. Ever since that scene, fans have waited patiently to see who would ultimately play that character with their wishes now granted. So Will Poulter is going to be playing uh, Adam Warlock by the time we get to uh, Volume 3. He definitely looks the part, right? Like, he looks like an Adam Warlock, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think that there's a lot of potential in this, too. Do you think that going in, he's going to be like the initial bad guy that's pursuing them or maybe like a secondary bad guy that's pursuing them and then maybe comes around to being on their side? I, I think I, he's going to – I bet he's the main bad guy and they kill him off by the end of the movie. I think it's such a big can of worms. Either either they're going to go all in on it or it's going to be a one and done. And I for some reason, I don't see him going all in on – any James Gunn villain in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh, God, if he's a one-and-done character in this, I'll be a little upset. Oh, I, I, I'll i be a little upset, too, but my gut tells me that that's what we're going to get. Hmm. He's he's such a young actor, it would make sense that they'd be casting him for, for you know, thinking of the future, that they could use him in more stuff. So hopefully he's not a one-and-done. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't want him to be a one and done. He's one of my favorite comic book characters. I'm, when I was a, a child, I loved Adam Warlock in the Infinity Watch. That was one of my favorite series. It wasn't a very long lived series. Like I think only like twenty some issues. But oh, I just fucking loved it. That was my introduction to Drax too. Like you know, he was in the Infinity stuff, but they really fleshed him out in that Infinity Watch comic book. I'm with Joe. I think that he'll be like a villain at the beginning at the beginning of it, and then might be you know, on their side by the end of it. I hope so. I hope that's the case. Yeah. I mean, cause he's clearly getting brought up by people who hate the guardians. And, and she said that, you know, that I'm, I made this to destroy the guardians and we know the guardians are very likable and, and really the sovereign are kind of dicks. <laughs> so, so hopefully that, that, that all equals that, you know, we're going to get, you know, a pretty good bad guy, but, you know, maybe bring him over to the good side by the end. But that means that there'd have to be a bigger bad that they're going up against. Marvel's but, been you know, doing this. Cosmic Marvel, there's a lot to choose from, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on this. I didn't plan on talking about it, but I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm wondering what you guys are thinking. Marvel's been doing this thing where they've had the sympathetic villain. Or, you know what I mean? The villain with layers. Mm-hmm. Are you guys fans of this? I mean, I think it's worked, but are they going to ever get back to like just like a villain being bad for being bad? Yeah, I like both. I, I think both, when they're done well, are awesome. Like, I, I has it been done well? Has so it been both. done well where a villain's just been a villain in the Marvel, uh, in the MCU? Cause like, I can point out Malekith was not that great of a villain. And I, I feel like, like they've had more success with the sympathetic villains, like even down to Loki and even, even you can kind of lump Josh Brolin Thanos in there where it's like, yeah, he thinks that he's doing the right thing. You yeah. Know? Maybe the best villain. that's just a villain is the red skull. That's a pretty good poll for that. I'm hard pressed to, to to really think of one, but I'm I'm a much bigger fan of a layered villain. Yeah, but and, like and is understanding it, is it... that the, they truly believe that what they're doing is for good. In 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 a way, the Red Skull kind of thought that as well. I mean, he really truly believed that that Hydra was going to bring the world peace. But you know, he yeah, but there's no sympathy from the audience for it. Like, <laughs> no, none at all. <laughs> Thanos makes a pretty good case to where you had actually actual fans with you know Thanos was right T-shirts and stuff like that. Like, you're not finding too many people with a Red Skull was right T-shirt. 
Yeah, Yellow Jacket kind of went evil, but I mean that was I think more like the 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 suit not really protecting his brain. Yeah, is kind of yeah. how they they packaged that. I I'm really hard pre- pressed to come up with a villain that was evil just for the sake of being evil, though. But is it, is I that is Doctor Doom's going to be very sympathetic? Uh, yeah, yeah, he'd have to be. <laughs> is 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 it just getting? Yeah, you can't. I think you're going to have to get into things that aren't human, like like entities like Dormammu and stuff like that, where it's it's really unfathomable, and it's just it's it's easy it's easy to take something like Dormammu and say, well, how are you going to make him a layered character and, and have any sort of sympathy? You know, he's 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 so removed from from humanity or even this plane of existence. It's just it's just like is that what Marvel's going to continue? to do though like we always talk about like this marvel formula and it's working but like is that is that just what they're doing right now they're just you know by the time we get i think so by the time we get to magneto it's like it's nothing new you know magneto magneto in the comic book but he believes he's doing the right thing and 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 there are times that he's working with the x-men and yeah, that, that's and what that, makes him so compelling. It does, but by the time we get to that character, Joe, is it going to be interesting anymore, or have we already seen this done to death? No, because it's it's. I don't think it's just like a, a device. I think as long as the writing is there to make that character compelling, then people are going to tune in to be with that character. And I think that that's why, like, um, Tom Hiddleston's Loki character went on such a journey. I think when they first brought him in, they had no conception that that someday there's going to be a fucking series like based just upon him and different variants of him and stuff. And I, I think that that strength is – or I think that all that happened just because of the strength of that character and how layered they make it, made it. The same with Killmonger. Yeah. They did such a good yeah. job making him a sympathetic villain that even though he dies at the end of that movie, we want more of him. Right. And, and that was one of the great parts of What If was that we were able to get some more Killmonger and see different huh. versions of him. And so I think that yeah. – and Marvel's on a real trend right now for finding – talented writers and bringing them in even if they're people that never had anything to do with comics i mean look at with them pulling from from the rick and morty staff they're finding these good writers and i think they've really turned a corner in realizing that if these movies are going to continue to be good and we're gonna not fall into this trap of superhero fatigue you need to have nuanced layered characters that are compelling and bring people to those seats and so it feels like the it feels like the future. Part of me is yeah. playing devil's advocate here. Part of me understands that I've really enjoyed what they did with Killmonger. I really enjoyed what they did with uh uh, uh the Mandarin in uh in, in Shang-Chi. I really I really enjoy the sympathetic kind of villains that they've brought into this universe, but is it is it going to get down to the point where like, that's just what we're expecting from all these villains that it's becoming part of this Marvel formula that we just can't have a villain being a villain. I think it, as recently as black widow though, you had like Drakoff. I yeah. But even that. taskmaster was kind yes. of like the, they still had that sympathetic villain that she was just a tool, right. Of Drakoff. Yeah. And I think yeah. I, 
I fall in line with what Joe is saying. If the writing's there, it's always going to work because you're never going to, it's never going to be the same sympathy from character to character, right? Like what Brian's saying, when, when Magneto shows up, is that going to come out as like played off? I I don't think so because his motivations are so different than other sympathetic villains that we've seen. Uh, I, I would, I would put his, his, his motivations in line with Killmonger, to be quite honest with you. A, a, a group of people that have been kind of like repressed by, you know, a larger government and, and not looked at, you know, and, uh, I would kind of put him up there with a little bit of like what Killmonger's motivations were, you know? Yeah, true. It's, it's almost like amped up a bit though, because it's like the general public fears them and wants to harm them and wants to hurt them like their their safety is jeopardized because of the sentiment that's put out there by you know what people want you to think about the mutants i'm kind of i think they'll have it more hashed out by then too you know Mm because like right now we're kind of seeing some of their missteps with it you bring up drakov and and taskmaster and also if you think of carly morgenthal from the captain america and or yeah cap and winter soldier series you know those were they tried to make these kind of not Drakoff, but his daughter they tried to make those the sympathetic ones but they were absolute missteps it didn't really work i feel like with a lot of the audience so i'm hoping they get these missteps out of the way in their learning from these things so by the time we get to a big character like magneto they really do get it right like they did with killmonger i I mean and i think they got it right with wen wu in shang chi Um, yes they absolutely did but I mean, it just makes me wonder, like, will they ever just have a villain that's a villain again? Or is it just going to be this standard, like, every villain is a sympathetic villain? Because that's what's working. That's what's making these villains more layered. Because we we tried a villain as a villain with Malekith. We've tried villain, you know, like, even fucking, like, um, uh, uh, Iron Man. I'm trying to think. Jeff. Oh, Obadiah Stane. I was going to say Jeff Bezos. I don't know why. <laughs> Talking about well, looking the- at this from a different angle, what Marvel villain would you bring in that would be good for, to be, you know, evil for the sake of just being evil? I would say Mephisto. Uh, Mephisto. <laughs> I would fantastic. say I would say Galactus. I would say even Doctor Doom. Even Galactus in the comic books is pretty fucking sympathetic. I know, I know, and I think that they they, they could do that as well. <laughs> Do you think uh, Julia Lewis Dreyfus will be very sympathetic once we get run in with her? Yeah, but I, I'm talking about like main villains. I don't know, like if she's a main villain, it would be in a series. You know, like even what about Agatha Harkness? Is she is she a sympathetic villain? I think so. That with her flashback definitely makes her a sympathetic villain, mm-hmm. right? She's shunned by her own people. Like, yeah. yeah, that's totally pulling pulling at the sympathy strings in that flashback. Yeah, I I guess like I don't know. I don't know what I'm arguing right now. I think I'm just arguing to argue. I don't think you're arguing. <laughs> I, I think you posed a very interesting question. Is that always the trick that Marvel's yes. going to pull? Yeah, now? is that part? Is that part of the new Marvel Marvel formula? Is it just like? Sympathetic villains work. Let's continue to do sympathetic villains. Like, and, and it just makes me think, like, how is Kang going to be a sympathetic villain? Yeah, for sure. And you definitely imagine they're going to do that with Kang. Right. I, I think if this is the formula, when we finally do return to just 
pure evil, no sympathy, it's really going to make that pay off a lot more. Like it was almost a uh, wrong move to start with that formula. That formula works better after the fact. It's like, well, you've had all these, like that's what made carnage so scary. Like in the comic books, right? Right. It's like eventually you do have that sympathy for venom because that's who they start with. But then carnage comes along and there's just, it's even more scary just knowing that he's venom and all venom's powers, but with no fucking like, human morals whatsoever there's something to be said here and i'm just going to throw this out there there's something you can say everything about like oh these sympathetic villains are more layered and they do this and they do that and it really connects you with the character and like you know there is this sad moment you know like spoilers for shang chi if you haven't fuck anyway there's spoilers when a sympathetic villain does die where you're just like, oh, fuck, I'd love to see them come back, like Killmonger. Like, oh, my God, I'd love to see Michael B. Jordan come back. I loved him as Killmonger. I would, You know, there's there's the sad moment when the sympathetic villain dies. But I'm also going to throw this out there. There is something super fucking satisfying when a complete douchebag villain gets their fucking death. When they fucking die, there's something super satisfying about that. Just a character that you fucking hate because they're fucking evil. They're a fucking villain and you can't wait for them to die. And you've seen what they've done. And then when they finally get it, you're just like, oh, my God. I'm so happy to see this fucking character finally fucking die. I'm talking about, like, you know, fucking die hard when the fucking, uh, you know, the... The one of the terrorists die in that fucking movie. You're just like, yes, John McClane fucking killed the fucking guy. He's got the, you know, he's fucking dead. Thank God fucking Carl Winslow at the end of the movie shot him through the fucking head. There's something about that as well that I think that these new Marvel movies are missing. Yes, I appreciate the sympathetic villain, but on the flip side, there's something to be said about a character that you just fucking hate that when you finally see them fucking taken out, you're just like so happy that like, you know, Oh, Captain Marvel killed them or Captain America was the one that took them out, you know? Um, so am I making sense? Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think it works both ways. Like there's something to be said about seeing the final blow, but there, there's something to be said about actually just being scared of the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what makes like the Halloween stuff so fun. Right. Like Michael Myers is fucking, there's no sympathy. It's fucking scary when he's right. Yeah. It's just a guy who's fucking pure evil that just goes around. He's a slasher and he kills. And yeah, if he fucking gets taken out, you want, I, dude, I want it to be Lori Strode that takes him out. If it's anybody than Lori Strode that takes out Michael Myers in Halloween Ends, I'm going to be pissed. I'll just say that right now. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it right now. It has to be Lori Strode. If it's, yeah, it makes sense. If, it's, and, and if her fucking grand... With a butcher knife. My too. money's on the granddaughter. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that fucking shit. Fuck you. She had her chance. Fuck you if that fucking ha- – not you, Jake, but fuck – No, you. I know. Fuck them. <laughs> if the fucking granddaughter is the one that takes out fucking Michael Myers, fuck you. Fuck you so fucking hard. 
fuck some you. new character that we're just introduced to yeah. flashback in the G- third movie. No shit. Fuck off with that shit. That shit, that would piss me the fuck off. I was actually thinking about that. Like, if they fucking made the granddaughter be the one that kills fucking Michael Myers, they can go fucking, they can, uh, they can fuck right off. That's bullshit. It should be Lori fucking Strode. She's been there from the beginning. But they'll pass off the torch and all that bullshit like they like to do. Oh, my God. Fuck right off. Yeah, I, I think the trailer should be showing us bits of that final confrontation. Like, they, they, they should not hide that. They should sell that shit like it's the fucking Thriller in Manila and give us the heavyweight fight that we want, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I Part of me is playing devil's advocate with this whole Marvel sympathetic villain thing because I do like what they've been doing, but on the flip side, it does seem formulaic at this point, right? No, I agree. It'd be fun to just have that pure evil villain. But yeah. Like I said when we started this conversation, I like both. I think both, when done at their best, are fucking amazing. And uh, I think they should continue to try doing both things. And yeah. also, you know, with the opening up of the multiverse, we're going to be able to see so many different versions of different characters that they should be able to satisfy needs across the board. You know, yeah. they should be able to give us different versions of different characters that, you know, maybe some of them are just, you know, we have so many opportunities to have layered and the 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 ones that are just the scary exist for the sake of evil, especially with some of the new stuff coming up, like Blade come to mind immediately. Be pretty easy to have you know, vampires and shit and that that are pretty much just evil for the sake of, you know, being evil and with some of the different cosmic stuff going in that's, you know, shit that's far from human. Yeah, and if you want sympathetic vampires, then you got Morbius to look forward to. (laughs) Just watch Twilight. Call it a day. I I felt no sympathy for those characters. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I want them all dead. Uh, let's see. Real quick, uh, news from comicbook.com. Eternals producer reveals, this is really not a breaking story. Eternals producer reveals if there are MCU crossovers. And basically, okay. Um, while Eternals will help inform fans on the events of the MCU from a different point of view, there's actually very little crossover with uh, the other characters and heroes in the on-screen universe while visiting the Eternal set early last year, comicbook.com's Brandon Davis heard from Marvel producer Nate Moore, who likened the new film to some of the MCU's more standalone stories. Probably not. I think this is somewhat like, to some degree, Doctor Strange or Black Panther, where we felt like there was enough story that it could be a contained universe at first. We definitely have ideas of how things can cross over later, but this movie, again, with... 10 characters and Dane Whitman and the Celestials and the Deviants. There was enough for us to play with. So, yeah, um, not a lot of crossover with uh, the main MCU stuff. Moore went on to say that Eternals could have a lasting impact on the uh, on, on future MCU titles, even if there aren't a lot of other characters involved in the movie. It'll definitely have an impact in ways. Hopefully that feels surprising, but earned. Obviously, when you deal with characters like Eternals and Celestials and, and even Deviants, the ripple is quite beyond the film. So we have some ideas of how that can help to be uh, can help be the spine 
of what phase four gets to be, but we always leave room for invention because other movies also may form where we go. Um, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with this. I think with a, with a cast of, uh, of 10 Eternals and introducing, you know, more Celestials and, and, uh, and of course the villains, the deviants here with Crow and, and the other deviants. I think let's focus on these characters and then let's, let's, let's kind of like bring them into the, the whole MCU uh, a little bit later. Um, I don't know if, well, okay, first off, thoughts about that. I'm totally fine with it. I think it makes sense. I, I, I'm, I think we need a proper Eternals origin story. So I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I agree 100% with what you said. I, I'd even go further and say I'm fine with a movie with just one solo character not feeling like it's being shoved into the greater MCU and being able to breathe on its own. Like, I, I'm fine doing a couple movies. Like, I, I what made the the last, like, the Infinity War and Endgame so special was all the stuff leading up to it. And, you know, a lot of those movies didn't feel like they were just, like, part 16 or part 17. So, yeah, this makes sense to me. Let's let's build up all these characters, learn to love a whole new cast of characters, and then make it even more special when we combine them all together. Like, I, I don't need that done right away to enjoy an MCU movie. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, I just want a good movie first before satisfying any goals of, oh, let's tie this to the larger universe. It's like, no, just give me a good movie first. And especially with something like The Eternals that is – it's it's so niche among Nar- Marvel that you know the 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 general audience at large isn't going to have a clue who any of these characters are, and so you need to give us a, a good first impression with these characters first and foremost. Don't don't fuck that up by putting in extra stuff that doesn't need to be there yet. At this point, anybody who watches MCU movies, we know that they're all in the same universe. Yeah, you yeah. know you, you don't need to jump the gun and shove that down our throat you know, over two dozen movies into this. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this news, but I'm excited, but I'm excited with this Eternals, uh, right now for pre-sales and in the theater pre-sale tickets for Eternals. It's beating both black widow and Shang-Chi. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's surprising. I, I think people are just hankering for more Marvel after uh, Shang-Chi. Oh my God. I, I still love Shang-Chi. Can't wait to fucking own it. I'm gonna, I, Agreed. I, I don't care if it's dropping on fucking Disney Plus. I've got to own a physical copy of Shang-Chi. I fucking loved it. I fucking loved that movie so much. Another sympathetic villain. And it worked. It's just I'm like, I'm wondering when... I know I keep going it's like, back It's to a this. bit of both though, right? Like it, it did the same thing that kind of Black Widow did where even behind the sympathetic villain was a villain of all evil. Yeah. 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 That's true. But like, has it been, pl- has it been played out though? When, when, yeah. when is that going to change? I, part of me is like, I'm arguing this, but like then on the flip side, like I love Shang-Chi, you know? Um, I think the bigger thing that's been played out in MCU like properties is like the final act. And I, I thought that was one thing that Shang-Chi really excelled at was making that feel special and fantastic instead of like, say, the final episode of WandaVision where it just felt like a cliche final battle. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, 
Let's move on into, uh, I, I, I think we'll have future discussions on sympathetic villains for Marvel. Cause I don't think it's going away. No, we get four movies a year plus yeah. all the TV shows. So yeah. we'll have ample material to revisit this topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I just, I haven't heard it discussed a lot. The sympathetic Marvel villain. And yeah. I, It'll be curious with the X-Men coming in. They have so many great villains, and I yeah. think they have kind of the best of both worlds. Like, you know, for every Magneto, there's a Mr. Sinister, and I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with those, with those characters. Oh, Jake, Joe, are you gonna, are you guys gonna, you were talking about, <laughs> you, you were talking about X-Men, and then I immediately thought of magic, and then I immediately thought of Anya Taylor-Joy, who's gonna be in the Last Night in Soho movie, the horror movie directed by Edgar Wright. Are you looking forward to that? Dude, I, yeah. yeah, Edgar Wright, like, I'm not the biggest fan of the, uh, what do they call the trilogy? The Cornetto trilogy? Yeah, it's not, it's not really my thing, but every other thing he's touched has become one of my favorite fucking movies ever. I so I, I always am willing to give anything Edgar Wright puts out, I'm gonna see. I love the Cornetto trilogy, but, um, yeah, oh my god, I'm, I've, I've, now that we're getting closer to the release of that movie and I've seen it in the theater, like I cannot fucking wait. It looks really fucking good. Yeah, I'm super excited. I oh my god, the one the movie I'm not excited for is the new Wes Anderson movie. I would rather roll over and die than watch it. You're that not movie. you're not a Wes Anderson fan <laughs> anyway to start with. So big big fucking shocker there, Jake. Have you ever have you even watched the fucking um what was the last one? Oh, I didn't like the fucking, what was that fucking, that dog, island of dogs or whatever the fuck. I thought I tapped out after Life Aquatic. Well, that was a, that was fucking 20 years ago almost. Correct. <laughs> that was like 2004. Correct. Fucking, uh, Darjeeling, the Darjeeling Limited was amazing. I love that movie. And then the Grand Budapest Hotel was fucking incredible. I love those movies. Yeah, I actually just saw the trailer for the very first time for, uh, what is it, Dar- Darjean? The Darjeeling Limited. Yeah, and I actually thought the trailer was really good. It had a lot of people I really liked. I was like, oh, man, it's Wes Anderson, but this actually does look really great. Have you ever seen the Wes Anderson X-Men trailer that someone made? I have. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, I think you showed it to me. It's so good. Joe, have you ever seen that? No, I've never even heard of it. And also, speaking of Wes Anderson, or, or geez, Wes Anderson, that's his name, I don't even know if I've seen any of his stuff. Oh, there my God. Go. So you've never seen the Royal Tenenbaums? Nope. <gasps> Rushmore. Oh my god, I'm not nope. I'm not a Rushmore fan though. I will admit that. And I'm not a fan of The Life Aquatic. But I yeah, abs- I do have one Wes Anderson movie I love and that's uh Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's one of my faves. Yeah, I know that. Fuck, it- I haven't seen any of these you've mentioned. Oh my god, Joe, you've got to watch I would <laughs> I would say the first Wes Anderson movie that you need to watch would be Royal Tenenbaums. Cause you've got, you've got, uh, Gene Hackman, um, I'm trying to think of who's the, it's People Ben. that have the last name Wilson. Well, it's Ben Stiller and I think it's, yeah, is it Owen Wilson and then, 
Gwyneth Paltrow's in it. And then who? Luke Wilson's in it as well. Luke Wilson. Yeah. And then, oh God, what's her name? Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Thank you. Yes. Shitty Alec Baldwin. I would watch, I would watch Royal Tenenbaums first. Oh, the, the movie that he did with Edward Norton about the, like, the Boy Scouts and stuff. I love that movie too. Uh, The Kingdom. What was it called? Uh, I can't remember, but I, lo- I love Wes Anderson. Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. I would recommend watching Royal Tenenbaums first, Joe. Cool. I'll put it on the list. And then after you get done watching the, after you get done watching, I'd say at least three Wes Anderson movies, watch the parody of the Wes Anderson X-Men movie. It is so good. (laughs) The best thing about Wes Anderson is when people make fun of Wes Anderson. (laughs) Fuck you, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you in your face. Uh, talk about pretentious soundtracks too. No one has a more pretentious soundtrack than Wes Anderson. Oh my god! Uh, the only people that say that Wes Anderson has a pretentious soundtrack are pretentious people. One <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the shell. I won't argue that. I'm just. I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> I I I enjoy most Wes Anderson stuff. I don't love it all, but I enjoy most. Uh, I love all the people he works with. Uh, he works with such great people. That's so unfortunate. <laughs> fuck you again. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Um, DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. Yeah, uh, DC fandom, uh, happened today. Can't really, I mean, I can't do, I can't do like full breakdowns because like this shit literally released on today. I don't have enough time to do a breakdown. It's just like, I have enough time to like watch these trailers and then fucking record this episode. Um, the Batman trailer dropped literally like 15 minutes before we started recording this episode. So I had a chance to watch that trailer twice. And, um, but we got a, we got a black Adam first look, um, peacemaker trailer, a flash teaser trailer, and then a, uh, Batman, uh, you know, trailer. I guess I just want to get your overall thoughts on the DC fandom stuff that dropped today. Titans was, was, uh, confirmed we're getting a season four of Titans, which I still have Sweet. to finish season three. Joe, have you finished season three? Uh, not yet because, um, my wife hadn't watched all of season two yet. Yeah. So I put a pause on season three after finishing the third episode. And then went back and rewatched all of season two with Lindsay. And so now we're just about to start season three. That's fun. On that. Yeah. That's fun. So, and she's yeah. really been enjoying it too. Um, dude, this is a little, nothing to do with anything, but I finally got her reading comic books now too. Really? What is she reading? Been, oh, dude, she's been on a fucking tear. She read all of Nailbiter and Nailbiter Returns. Uh, she's current now on Something is Killing the Children. And let's see, she's reading, um, ghosted now so she really was digging the joshua williamson stuff but i downloaded a shitload of horror comics all onto the my ipad for uh like magic order um uh, some cullen bunn stuff there's a really good series called regression i put on there uh the first volume of neil gaiman's sandman 
Um, I also put the first three volumes of Saga on there. Yeah, Saga's coming back in January. Oh, dude, I can't wait. I'm and, so excited uh, for that. He said it's going to be going for another six years after that. So, Holy shit. Yeah, it knows six years. That's really exciting. Yeah, man. Saga will wrap up in 2028. I like the statement he made about not renumbering it number one. Yeah, and good. Continuing on and not just trying to make it a big marketing ploy. Good like for the him. story speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah, next issue coming out should be issue 55. Oh, fucking. And, uh, and it will be. I'm looking forward to the Silver Surfer come, uh, Silver Surfer coming out in January. Ron Mars, Silver Surfer. So. I thought, um, not only is it Ron Mars, but I, I thought both people were like, I forget the, the team, but the writer and the artist were like, classic silver surfer people yeah ron mars and let's see ron lim ron lim yeah yeah both coming back for silver surfer yep yeah yeah i love ron lim stuff he did some of my favorite surfer comics yeah i'm looking forward to that series i'm going to be subscribing to that one um what did you guys think about the uh and good for Lindsay reading comic books that's awesome yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, she's like totally absorbed in it where it's like she'd be I'd give her like the a volume of nail biter and then like an hour later she's coming back to get the next one. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> uh, what I'm going to be doing is uh, going through and starting saga over from issue one in preparation for 55. Excellent. When it comes out in January. That'll be a great read. Uh, we got the Black Adam first look. Um, some of this was. Uh, you know, clips from the movie, and then they showed like an ex- like an extended scene from the beginning of the movie. Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson kind of took us through like you know how this has been a passion project for him when he's talking about it and how it's been a long time coming, and then how they're um, uh, how he's th- how they're going to show you this first look and how it's going to change uh, the power balance in the DCEU. What did you guys think of the Black Adam first look that we got that we got here? Um, and a lot of stars showed up. Aldous Hodge showed up, said, "You know, I'm playing Hawkman." And then the fucking kid that was going to be He Man showed up and said, "I'm not He Man anymore." So thank God, but I'm going to be in this movie. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan was just like. He 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 was sucking the dick of this movie. I was getting he he really oversold this he shit. Did. I thought I, I was like, "Ooh, calm down, guy." Yeah, not since when I did James Bond have I. This movie is fucking incredible. I want to yeah, suck not, the cock of this movie. Thirty years ago, he's never seen such an extravagant setup. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this thing looked really cool, and in. I, I I love The Rock. I, I love what he does. I'm excited yeah. to see him playing this. But there's a part of me that feels like he talks about Black Adam like it's the only character he's ever heard of. Like he picked up a Black Adam comic when he was a kid, and it just really stuck with him that that was the only thing that there was. Because I don't know Black Adam's like – I've read a lot of DC stuff. I haven't – touched on that character a ton now granted like shazam and like shazam family and stuff's kind of a blind spot for me so maybe there's more there but it's like i've read enough like big event stuff that's like his name pops up now and again 
But it's just weird that he's got such a raging heart on for Black Adam. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm worried about Black Adam, I have to say. I, I love The Rock, too. He's one of the most charismatic action stars. But I'm worried it might be a little bit of the same formula that happened with John Cena in Fast 9, where when you make him a bad guy, it kind of stifles his charisma and how much you enjoy that character on screen. I'm not so sure about The Rock being a villain. We'll see. I hope it's good. Yeah, Cena did suck in Fast 9. Oh, God. Like, in, in comparatively to how much I love him as Peacemaker. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Night and day difference. It's hard to believe exactly. he's the same actor. Well, yeah, they, just making him, ooh, I'm, I'm a badass, and I'm such a badass, and I'm just so serious. Like, I'm, I'm just worried that that's the formula we're going to go down. Uh, um, they, 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 you know, they, they, they're going to take a page from Marvel and make him a sympathetic villain. Oh, without a doubt. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because, I mean, and, and is it going to be something where they're eventually going to have him turn? Because I think there's, gosh, I was thinking I read something where there was something going on where Black Adam, I think, was kind of in, had taken over like Cordo Maltese or, or someplace like that. And he was offering sanctuary there for people. So he wasn't necessarily being a villain. But he wasn't necessarily being a bad guy either. So maybe they're going to kind of take him in that direction. I think so. He's always been very gray for like the last 30 years in the comic books. And like mm-hmm. the main events, he's he's always been kind of an anti-hero. Okay. Peacemaker trailer drop. A proper Peacemaker trailer. And it featured uh, John Cena and, a, uh, and him hugging a bald eagle. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and, and and we got uh, the first uh, what, the the T one thousand actor is it Robert Patrick playing his father? We finally got to see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll give it a taste. It. I'll give it a high taste. It. I I belly laughed pretty hard at this a few times. Um, the butt baby stuff had me had me short limit. I <laughs> I did. I thought the butt baby stuff was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. The character, the character is kind of stupid. So I know. Like, for me, it was like, oh, of course he believes there's butt babies. <laughs> I here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like when I first saw the trailer, when he was talking about what was it, uh, the fucking uh, the starfish being, you know, another word for the butthole in the Suicide yeah. Squad, and they showed that in the trailer. I was like, that's dumb. But then when I saw it in the movie, I was like, oh, that's funny. So maybe it'll work by the time I get to the show. The show didn't feel, for me though, it didn't feel as like, as cinematic as like what Disney has done with like the Mandalorian. It felt, it, it had the look of, it, it had the look of a TV show for me. So it didn't feel like, the, it didn't feel like from what I saw from the trailer, like it had a budget behind it that you would see like on the Mandalorian or like even a proper DC film. It felt very TV for me. Um, but I liked it enough. I'll also give the Peacemaker trailer a taste it and I'm looking forward to it. And, and uh, yeah, we got to see John Cena again dancing in his, you got to see him in his underwear, but he was dancing this time. So we got to see him in his underwear in the, in the suicide squad. I'm looking forward to it. I just, I, I just wasn't oh, blown yeah. away by the trailer. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Though. It was a high taste it for me, man. I, I had a lot of laughs with it. I'm, I love that they're bringing in vigilante and, and he's going to be vigilante. Kind of like a, yes. 
Yeah, and he, he's going to be kind of another dummy. So it's going to be like these two dummies that think they're out doing good, and and then you know they've kind of got a, a team around them that are are probably going to be the, you know, the more professional ones. And I'm pretty excited for for the potential for this series. Oh, oh, Jake, did you? Oh, back. I don't even talk about DZ. Did you see who's in that new Scream movie? It's the dude from The Boys. Mm, no, Which I didn't. One? Um, what's his name? Meg Ryan's kid. Oh, uh, Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid's in this fucking movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't even see that in the Scream trailer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jack Quaid's in Scream. Oh, I'm good for him. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't really showcase him, but my god, I fucking love him in the boys, dude. Did you see that new, <laughs> did you see the new fucking Billy Butcher sideshow figure? Yeah, it looks awesome. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jake, there's a Billy Butcher sideshow figure. Uh, sideshow collectibles, they do really good figures. Um, but there's a Billy Butcher figure and he's holding up the fucking baby that has the laser eyes and the laser eyes glow out of the goddamn baby. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. Diabolical. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> What an amazing scene. Diabolical. <laughs> I love Carl Urban. Oh my god, yes. I fucking love Carl Urban. Have you Urban. been seeing all the, the, I, I know we're all over the place here. Have you seen all the articles with, uh, the, uh, the actress that was it Olivia Thurlby or something like that saying, yeah, I want to be in Dread, a sequel to Dread? No. Yeah, she's been, it's kind of been all over the place lately. She's been talking about it saying, you know, yeah, Carl Urban wants, a sequel to this and I do too and I totally agree with him that we need um uh oh man who was the writer with that uh Alex Garland Alex, oh, Alex Garland Garlic, yeah. Garland helming it oh my god and so that's the two leads from in my opinion one of the best comic book movies there is that not enough people talk about yeah, yeah. give me a sequel to dread yeah i when uh when I was at C2E2 in 2020, early 2020, and I got, or when we got, it was me, Dan Ramirez, Nana Pratt, and Kevin Shanks. We got our pictures taken with the cast. Uh, I had like a moment where I could talk to Carl Urban. And I said, I looked at Carl Urban and I said, I fucking love Dread, dude. I love Dread. I want the sequel. And I, and fucking, I gave Carl Urban a fucking fist bump. It was the coolest thing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Fucking fist bump from Carl Urban. I love Dread. You have no, I, that, in my opinion, Joe, Dread is not, it's not the best comic book movie ever made, but it is the best adapted comic book movie ever made. Like, as far as, yeah, like, I'll give you that because they really stuck to the character well yes. with that with Carl Urban. Yeah. I mean, what other Hollywood actor is going to say, I'm never going to take the helmet off throughout the whole thing. Right. So kudos to him for having the balls to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I love reading dread comics. They're, they're a blast. They're a fucking blast to read. Um, flash teaser trailer. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, trailer teases Michael Keaton back in the bat suit. We got teases of the old Batmobile. Um, but, uh, the trailer didn't show us them in full. So basically we got to see the bat suit from behind. Uh, we almost got a shot of Ezra Miller's flash, uh, taking a tarp off of the, off the old Batmobile. And, um, 
Uh, we got a new Flash costume here. And uh, he's going to be bouncing through the multiverse. And uh, we also saw an alternate version of uh, Miller's Barry Allen and uh, Sasha Callie's Supergirl in this in this new trailer. I think the I think the uh, from what I've been reading, the alternate version of uh, Barry Allen, which you can see in the trailer, from what I'm hearing, is that that character is going to be. The villain of the movie is going to be the is and is going to end up being Reverse Flash is what I'm hearing. So, huh. what did you guys think of this? I, oh my god, I am I'm so pumped for this movie. I think it was a fantastic first trailer. Uh, as far it, as far as a teaser, it's a teaser, and my god, it fucking. It teased the shit out of my fucking pop culture clit. I will tell you that much. <laughs> oh man, I had the exact opposite reaction to this trailer. I, I hated it. Wow, wow. Yeah, it was it was a toss it for me. I, I thought um, it's like you're giving us the Michael Keaton voiceover. It was just all the like fucking cock teases with the cut right when the blanket came off and seeing him from the back and everything. Like I'm excited to see it and what they're going to do with that character, but. I don't know. I thought this was just like, ugh. and I, I thought the special effects were pretty terrible. Like I thought his new costume looked kind of awful. Oh, and, I love uh, the it looked new like costume. Unfinished CGI, and if it's not unfinished, then oh boy. Ah, I I I love the new costume. The 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 glowing um, lightning flashes. I thought it looked great, Joe. Yeah, I'm a fan of the costume also. I kind of hated the way his costume looked in Justice League. Just just not a fan of that look. I'm really a fan of like the classic Flash idea that, you know, the the suit is something that's fabric and it's really small and it stays in the ring and when he activates it it pops out of the ring and he's so fast that he just runs into the suit and changes into it. And in this suit add more of that look to it. It didn't really look like an injustice suit of armor or with like a bunch of heat resistant tiles like it's a fucking space shuttle coming in for re-entry um i do agree with with what jake said that the cgi looked kind of rough in this uh when you said that you thought the the peacemaker one kind of looked more like a tv series that i got the tv series vibe from this trailer mm-hmm. uh but but i did really like everything we saw and, and as far as teasers go yeah this one got me really excited for it i'm i've been hesitantly excited about this you know, ever since it was announced and the more news we get with it, I keep getting more hesitantly excited. And, and so this trailer, you know, is, is kept me firmly on that path. Um, you know, with, with all DC stuff, it, it's, it's more, I'm kind of going to go in there with bated breath and I'm, I'm hoping for the best when I, when I go in. And I feel like the last few things I've gotten from DC, I've enjoyed a lot. So I got some high hopes for this. And, uh, yeah, this teaser really cemented that for me. So um, I'm going to continue having high hopes for this movie and really looking forward to an, to an actual trailer where hopefully we'll get some more substance maybe of what this plot is. Uh, just going off the teaser, it's definitely got, you know, strong Flashpoint vibes to it. Just in the, in the next trailer or in the uh, other trailers, don't give me the uh, reveal of the two Batman meeting each other for the first time. Do not spoil that for me. Let me go in fresh. God damn it. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree. yeah. Less is more. Less is more. Um, and then we got the, uh, the Batman trailer. 
So they dropped the Batman trailer, and this literally dropped 15, I'd say 15 minutes or so before we started recording this very episode, and I sent it to you guys. I've only got a chance to watch it twice, but, uh, fuck. Batman looks brutal. Did you see that fucking scene where he's just punching that guy over and over and over again? Yeah. I was just like, holy shit. Um, Colin Farrell, at the end of it, he's he's playing... uh, Oswald Cop, uh, Cobblepot, the fucking penguin and shit, and uh, the whole the whole scene where he thinks he fucking got the Batman, and yes. then Batman shows up, and it's like, and the and the Batmobile is not the sleek fucking sexy Corvette looking Batmobile. Like this is a fucking like, this is a muscle it's like car, death proof car. Yeah. I was literally just gonna say that, Jake. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, it's like a stunt car. Yeah. Oh my god. I uh and then the next thing we know, like Batman fucking hits him with the car, the car's flipped over, and we got fucking Oswald Cup of Pot, like fucking like upside down looking at the Batman just fucking walking towards him and shit. We got a little bit of the Riddler with Paul Dano in this one as well. And uh got to see a little bit of uh Jeffrey Wright as uh as uh Commissioner Gordon. Um we got some uh, Zoe Kravitz playing the new Catwoman, and um, Bruce Wayne. We got a little bit of Bruce Wayne, a little bit of Robert Pattinson, Bruce Wayne. This one's sporting a little bit of a longer hairstyle than I've ever seen Bruce Wayne with before. I don't know, man. I uh, I think that this was a this was a this was a really good teaser for me. I think it was a really good teaser. It's it's hard to kind of like my excitement level for this movie is off the charts. I'll say that much. I just mm. thought it was a really good teaser. It didn't it, it it showed us some stuff, but it didn't show us everything. And I think the movie is still still just a, a mystery. And I really like that. I really like that. What did you guys think? I loved it. It was an absolute Tupperware for me. Um yeah, it, it just looks so awesome. He was so fucking just pissed off and angry. I loved all the fighting stuff. I loved the uh, the very last scene where it's like dark and silhouetted, silhouetted, and then we actually cut to the title of the movie. I thought that was really artistic and yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah, I thought the music sounded cool. I it sounded like new music and possibly the music that's going to be in the movie. And I it like had like that like Danny Elfman. 89 Batman vibes to it, but like still sounded original and new. And oh, Gotham. Pulled... Gotham looked. Yeah. It's the closest that we've seen. Gotham looked amazing. I think it's like, I think it's the closest that we've seen to the Burton films as far as the I look agree. of Gotham. It really, it really harkened back to, to kind of the vibe Burton was going for with Gotham. I thought that a lot. Uh, I love the, the scene where just the, bat symbol in the air from the bat signal i I love the kind of real sleek looking new uh new batman symbol they're using um yeah this got me really fucking excited this was um this was incredible i man i can still can't get over uh colin farrell and how unrecognizable he is in this movie It it was one thing to see the pictures but it was another to see him moving and talking uh oh man batman was like a horror movie villain in that scene yeah. When he came out of that fire in his fucking car and it's upside down and he's walking towards him. Like, I was afraid for Cobblepot right there. Oh. And, and right there, that's where it fucking nails it because it's showing you 
like that's the whole reason Batman exists is to put terror in these criminals. And you describing it like that is is it's fucking dead on, dude. I I'm sorry, I'm gonna step on you here. <laughs> Just uh, I'm super excited about this trailer. I feel like like you guys are saying this is the closest Gotham's ever looked to the the Burton films. I feel like this is the closest Gotham's ever looked to the comics. Yeah, like yeah. watching this trailer, it felt like the comics. It felt like Batman's just bumping into all these other characters, and it's like always oh, bumping into Catwoman. Dude, did they did penguins they, there? He's dealing with the Riddler. Also, like what what else? What other surprises are going to be in this? I mean, it just felt so true to the the Gotham we get in the comics. And for God's sakes, if they just make him do some fucking detective work in this, they're going to make so many Batman fans so happy. Did you? What about the hallway scene that they barely showed us enough of? Oh, dude, the fighting in this looks so good and so brutal, and it's just so fucking on brand for what Batman is. You know, it's fucking, like oh. the, the, he's the guy that's he's going to look at the scenario and say, there's 200 ways to take this guy out. You know, five of them are lethal. You know, 10 of them will put him in the hospital. I'm going to choose the one that's the most painful. So he's going to have a long time to think and recover in painful recovery on why he shouldn't be a criminal. Like, that's fucking Batman. And it looks like that's what Pattinson's doing in this. Yeah, Pattinson yeah, looks, looks great. great. It seemed like they were. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying Pattinson looks great, man. And uh like there's like this, the the scene in the hallway where they're shooting him and the bullets are just fucking deflecting and shit. And it's like <laughs> I feel I laughed in wanton delight at that part. Like I literally laughed out loud and like pounded on my desk. I couldn't fucking believe it. I feel yeah, like same. I love they made a like a, an effort to show Batman just like fucking people up with guns and him himself never using a gun in this right. trailer. And I, I really appreciated that. Like that seemed like an on purpose move to just show how useless guns are in the fucking universe of Batman. I think the next trailer, they definitely need to sell us on Andy circus as Alfred. Cause I, I, you know, I love Andy circus, but I'm not sold on him as Alfred yet. Mm, my love for him's kind of waned after venom too. He directed the goddamn thing. <laughs> he directed the goddamn thing. He's not I, off the hook yet for me, dude. We, we've got we've got to rekindle our relationship. No, he fucked up. He fucked up Venom too. He fuck directorially that that movie's a mess. I will agree. <laughs> I will agree with you there, Joe. Did you watch Venom two yet? I have not. I'm probably gonna wait till it hits streaming of some sort. <laughs> After the reviews I heard, I was yeah. like, "Woo!" Dodged a bullet there because I almost went and saw it opening night. Yeah, mm, boy, it was insultingly bad. Fuck! It was. I gave it a taste. It. I'm still sticking to my taste. It. Um, no, I'm still sticking to my talk. I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. Um, I want to see. I want to. There's. There's some more of like the. You know. Uh, characters that I want to see from this fucking Batman. I want. I definitely want to see what Jeffrey Wright brings to the table as James Gordon. I want to see what Andy Serkis brings as Alfred. Um, but I did like what I saw so far from Robert Pattinson, and uh, I want to see some more of Zoe Kravitz. I think Zoe Kravitz could be a fantastic Catwoman. I think she could be. I think she could be a fantastic Catwoman, and I like what I saw from her. In this trailer, I do need to see a little bit more, but uh, I think I'm sold as Pattinson on uh, on Batman. Uh, from what I saw in this, um, it'll be interesting to see what Pattinson does for the, the for for Bruce Wayne. But my God, I'm sold on him as Batman. 
God damn it, I'm fucking sold. It, this looks like fucking, this, this Batman is unhinged. This Batman mm-hmm. is fucking just. He's vengeance. Oh, he is, he yeah. says it. He says so. Yeah. He is vengeance. Yes. Oh my God, I cannot wait for this. Mark. I, I don't think I've ever had a Batman trailer get me this excited. Yeah. Um, I mean, for real. Wow. Well, I mean, I said to you earlier that I usually go into these, you know, DC movies with not the highest expectations, just kind of like, oh, let's hope it's decent. I got high expectations for this one, especially after this trailer. Are you coming back? Are you going to come in March when we record the Batman episode? Are you doing it with us? Oh, 100%. Yeah, dude. If you ask, I'm there. I'm asking you, and I'm going to ask Paul, and I'm going to ask somebody else. I'll promise you that much. That's what I want. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. So, my God. Yeah, I fucking got chills. When I watch this fucking trailer, I cannot wait for this. That I'll tell you what, man, like that Batmobile scene at the end. Holy shit. When that Batmobile comes out with the, with, out of the flames, <laughs> Jake, I love how you said it. You were worried for the, you were worried for the penguin in that moment. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, dude, that was my immediate emotion. Like, Oh dude, you're in trouble. You're fucked. <laughs> you fucked up, dude. Yeah, I love the penguin so confident. I got him, I got him, I got him. And that's the, oh my God, I want a Batman that strikes fear. And that's what I feel like this is, I feel like what's going on in this movie. So, yeah. Paul Dano as the Riddler. Got to see a little bit more of Paul Dano, right? I think, I think it's, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, after this podcast, check out um, Todd McFarlane's Facebook because he, once they revealed this trailer, he posted all of his figures based off the characters in this movie. Oh, nice. And you get a really good look at the Riddler as the McFarlane scope, scope or sculpt, and it, it is fucking awesome. Did you see his new fucking Swamp Thing figure? I did. My God. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what, do I, what else do I got? Oh boy, I try to pretend like I don't care about action figures because I secretly really do. And if if I if I <laughs> if I accept that I love them, then it's like there goes five thousand dollars. Yeah, I feel the same way, dude. I'm like, this isn't going to be something that's going to be. Oh, I'll just have a few. It's like that's not what you do. <laughs> uh, you can't. I can't even go to the sideshow website anymore because i want to buy everything there's a thanos figure on the sideshow it's a thanos statue and i was just like holy shit they got the fucking comic accurate looking thanos i was like holy fuck i want that so bad i can't do it but i did buy that mandalorian figure that's going to come out within the next couple months oh that thing's fantastic it's a mandalorian statue and it's got like the fucking it's got Grogu floating in that fucking like floating baby carriage or whatever the fuck he's in right next to him. Oh my God. And I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. That thing was, uh, I had to make payments on it and I had a couple listeners, um, your buddy, John counts, our friend, John counts fucking sent me, sent me, uh, uh, a donation to help with, uh, the purchase of that figure. And so I should be getting it with, and thank you, John. Um, it should be coming within the next couple months. Jake, that's a $600 fucking statue. Ooh. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, but man, it's nice. They, they make nice stuff. There's no argument there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Did you see that the Mandalorian season three started filming? 
I did. Oh, yes. I am so ready. <laughs> right? <laughs> I am so ready. I need... I, I uh, Show me the baby. Oh, my God. And that's the thing. The fucking... The, the teaser pick, like... We all were like, okay, we're not going to get any Grogu in the next season. It seems like a big part of next season is going to be Grogu's training with Luke. It does. It does. I'm very surprised by that. But, yeah, totally. I'm here for it. I'm surprised by it, but I also fucking love it. I love it. I cannot wait to see what they do. I can't. Yep, and hopefully they listen to the fan reactions and everything from that last episode. Because really, the only thing, the only miss they had in that last episode was their CGI just wasn't perfect. They hired the guy that did the deep fake that looked better. That they fucking hired that guy. So yeah, after I heard the, that, I heard yeah. that they hired the guy that, that did it better. And it's like, fucking way to go. Way to go. Oh, I <laughs> love the fact do. that they're like, you know what? If you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, it's like, hey, dude, you did this better than the people that we have on staff. How about we pay you to do this? Win-win. Right. And that hopefully that's like the Luke that we're going to be seeing when we do get to season three of The Mandalorian, you know? (laughs) Have you seen the the video where they uh, deep fake it to be Bully Parker from Spider-Man 3 instead of uh, Luke Skywalker? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking amazing. Is he dancing? He's dancing the whole time and destroying all the... Yeah, it's it's great. (laughs) I'll have to find that. That sounds incredible. He's like finger gunning it. Correct. Correct. (laughs) That is all I got for this episode, gentlemen. That is it. It was a good episode. It felt a lot more like we were, like, you know... Our shoes were, were not brand new shoes like they did last week. You this really, episode was like worn-in shoes. You're really shitting on last week's episode, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, did you listen to last week's episode? Dude, I had the best time listening to last week's episode. I listened to it on Monday at work, and um, when when Stephanie was, was causing the, the big uproars with <laughs> with her dissenting opinions i was like live texting her i'm like oh my god this is comedy gold <laughs> <laughs> brian, brian is flipping the fuck out and he can't believe this is your <laughs> it was so funny man <laughs> i just yeah her fucking hatred of cheese it just drives it i don't understand her Oh my god. I love Stephanie. I fucking love Stephanie. Stephanie's good. Oh. Stephanie's good people. I love Stephanie. I love having her on the episodes, Jake. Oh yeah, our guests were not the issue. It was me and you that I thought to shit the bed. I thought it I thought it was more you. Um <laughs> I'm kidding. I was terrible. <laughs> I was terrible last episode. I agree. I agree. I was terrible last episode. I need to hang it up, man. I need to hang it up. I just need to hang it up. I need to just call it a day. Put a fork no, in. No, no. We got to get to episode one thousand. Oh God, <laughs> episode one thousand. I'll be I'll be fifty fucking years old, Jake. Episode one thousand. Can you imagine that? Oh God, who who wants to listen to a fifty year old Brian? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. 
Joe, what do you got going on, man? Uh, like, like in, like in life or like with podcasting or however you want to, interpret- if you don't know how to answer that fucking question, <laughs> <laughs> just making conversation. <laughs> Uh, no, Starcast has been on a, a weekly schedule. I don't, I don't want to hear about Starcast. I want to know what you got going on. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, no, no, money no, yesterday? no. You tell me. You tell me about Starcast. You tell me about whatever you want to tell me about, man. You tell me about whatever you want to tell me about. You want to tell me about how you're gonna fucking as soon as you get off this episode, you're gonna buy a pair of shreddies and you're gonna drop ass in the bedroom. You tell me whatever the fuck you want to tell me, dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got Starcast on a weekly schedule now. So uh, going forward, there should be episode new episodes dropping every Saturday, uh, which, which is pretty exciting. I've already had a couple good ones uh, recorded. Uh, most recently, the episode I dropped today was with Spoiler Steve, and we talked for a little over three hours, and uh, we both got really drunk. I think the last half hour of the episode is maybe not the most coherent. But uh, we had some really good conversations talking uh, movies and then lots of spoilery uh, talk with uh, comic books. And so that was a really, really great conversation. And uh, I'll be having, be having Kova on next week. And I uh, got episodes scheduled all the way throughout the rest of the year and should be hitting episode 100 by the end of the year. Oh, my God. Episode 100, Jake. It's awesome. Jake. It's awesome. Jake. Episode 400 of Pop Culture Leftovers next week. I know. It's crazy. Um, man, you know, I'm going to go see that Psycho Gorman with you. But without that, I, it's like the first time we've seen each other in person for over a year now, I believe. Yeah. 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 Since it's probably it's been since uh, C2E2, hasn't it? Yeah. C2E2 may have been the last time. Yeah. I look I look different now, Jake. I imagine, I imagine, just like we were talking about, like how grown up Groot have, has gotten between the last Guardians movies. <laughs> I know, I know. I imagine you're very old and tall now. Yeah, I'm very old and tall. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I can't wait though. I, I love the the 100 episodes. It's just so much fun. Yep. we just get to sit back and just kind of, you know get driven by the listeners and they take us wherever they want to take us. Yeah. Uh, I've got a list. I think it's 25 different listeners are going to be joining us on that episode. So nice. I, yeah, it's going to be me and Jake. And then we're going to have some other people that are going to be on the episode the entire time or coming and going. I've got some people coming and going throughout the episode, but, uh, um, and then, uh, I think 25 different listeners are going to be joining us. Um, here's the thing. Uh, it's not, it's not, we're just going to be talking about whatever, whatever. We're not, we don't have to talk about like the news that week. We can just talk. We're just talking. It's just like these, 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 every hundred episodes, it's not about us. It's about the listener. That's what I want to bring you guys on. And we just get to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. It's your show. It's not about us. It's not. It's just like we've been doing this show. I want to talk to our listeners. I want to. I want to get to talk to you guys. I want to just. Ha- you know, I just want to shoot the shit. Like, here's the thing, Jake. I think like people have been listening to us. Some of these people have been listening to us for years, 
and and like they they feel like they know us isn't that the thing though jake like you listen to a podcast and like you've listened to these people you listen to them talk and you feel like you know them you feel like totally but i don't know you i don't know you i've never talked to you We've never had a conversation. Some of these people that are going to be calling in. I've never talked to some of these people. Some of these people are like, they're, they're brand new to me. So I'm going to be talking to them for the first time. So it'll be interesting to, 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 you know, make new friends and, and get to hear about what they want to talk about, whatever. It's going to be a fun. We always have fun on these, on these hundred episodes, every hundred episodes that we do. I, I think we always have a blast and I, I, I would hate to I would hate to say that this episode would be any different. I hope it's just as fun as as the previous episodes that we've done. And it only happens every two fucking years, Jake. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely always feels real special. Like I could sit back and like remember good times about all three of the previous 100 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So some of my favorite moments that, you know, we've ever had come from those episodes. They're they're usually pretty hilarious episodes. Uh, they're fun. They're just a blast, man. They're a blast. So all right, that's all I got. Yeah, this was a fun one. I, I hate it when you say it like that. <laughs> like you got sincere. Yeah, it's like you gotta convince yourself. Like, yeah, we had fun. Yeah, this was a fun <laughs> one, Brian. Right? Right? I don't know. No, I, I'm never asking it as a question. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you had fun, Jake. Joe, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe, did, did you, I need validation. Did you have fun as well? <laughs> yeah, I always have fun recording with you guys. I love recording with you guys. All right. Joe's just like, I just hate the ending of these podcasts because they're so awkward, Brian. You just turn them into this awkward thing at the very end. Yeah, need- I just said always, and you call me the bullshitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm like a human Labrador retriever. Yeah, almost always. Have. You are. Yeah. yeah, I expect I expect real reactions out of you, Jake. Sometimes it's just like whatever. You just like sometimes you're just like Ed McMahon. You're like little yes man bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, Ed. Chill the fuck out, Ed. All right, we get it. There was one point at this episode I was having a massive sneezing fit, and I was just like, the whole time I was like, oh my god, Brian's gonna ask me something, and I'm like snotting all over myself. Oh no, shit! I thought you were gonna uh, like they don't shreddies don't make anything for that, dude. I'm sorry. No, no. I was like, and I'm mute, and I'm like desperately running for some tissue. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for some Jake. What do you think about? It? I'm like, oh my god, please yeah, no. Yeah, let's 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 find out from Sneezy Dwarf what's going on. How are you? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back. That guys, last episode in three hundreds. This is it, Jake. We've, we're moving on to a new chapter in PCL. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new era. It's a new. We should do like Halloween and pretend like nothing existed after that. Oh like god, yeah, let's do a reboot. Third episode. Yeah. Let's do a reboot. <laughs> we'll do a reboot after this. Like after 400 comes out, it'll just be we'll reboot the whole franchise. Yeah. We'll have like a we'll have like a Flashpoint episode. You can make it so only episode 1 exists and that way you can get rid of me. Oh no, hold on. Episode 4 <laughs> episode 401 comes out. We're going to have it episode 1. And it's just gonna be, it's gonna be 
Jay and Dan Hill coming back. <laughs> <laughs> if you can make that happen, I will gladly sit out. Oh my god. <laughs> I got to hear this. Oh, I would listen to that all day. Oh my you god. You ain't lying. <laughs> All right, guys, just like all good leftovers saying, some people have no idea. They're like, Dan Hill? Who's Dan Hill? Some people are even like, who's Jay? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. They'll find out at some point. Yeah. Uh, just like all good leftovers saying, the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 400. See ya. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's, it's a trap. Could it toss it, could it be? Do we love it? Hey, let's make the team erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Hey, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftover Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftover Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover, and you're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.